Bonito. Ladies and gentlemen, we Tonight, we are going to witness the most anticipated match in the history of professional wrestling. And this is the main event of the evening. Please welcome your host for today. Jason is here. Dude, I, I swear to God, I'm not as big an asshole as it sounds like. Troy is here. Hey, I call them like I see them, all right? Taz is here. I mean, Sal is here. And I'm here? Oh, look at it this way. It's the first thing we've done together as a team. I grab my dick, you grab your dick, you work my arm, I work your arm. Same time, same time. It's like jerking off together, but not gay. We're not touching dicks. Each other's dicks anyway. I'm touching my own dick. You're working it, and I'm loving it. Well, enough is enough, and it's time for The Rundown. Welcome, everybody, to The Rundown. I'm your host, Troy. Joining me, Sal is here. How are you doing, Sal? Football! <laughs> For the sports. Football's back! <laughs> Yay, sports! Move that thing from one place to the other! <laughs> um, hey, how you doing, Troy? It's been a while. I haven't seen you, man. Everybody's busy. Everybody's yeah. got adult stuff to do. It, it has been, uh, it's been a bit... So yes, it is just the two of us. I don't have that on my soundboard, otherwise I'd play that. Um, <laughs> but uh, yes, so today, as we're recording this, is the first NFL game of the season. <laughs> and <laughs> it is the Chiefs and the Lions. Uh, we did our fantasy football draft yesterday for the Rundown show. Um I will most likely finish last, but I have people on my team who I like, so I don't give a fuck. Uh, and it's just fun anyways. <laughs> also, there's only six teams. You have just an equal amount of shot to finish first as you do last. That's true. That's true. Um, so Adam is uh, currently uh, dealing with some tummy troubles, and uh, we wish him the best. Uh, Jason is sucked back into the world of uh, junior sports, so he's going to be a little hit or miss, but as always, we wish him and his son tons of luck in whichever fucking sport he's doing this day. Now, that being said, <laughs> we have international fans that listen to this show, and maybe, maybe they thought that baseball was a summer sport, and it is, but for kids like Jackson, they do what's called fall baseball so and then he'll go right into basketball after that (laughs) yeah um if he if he isn't i may be doing football this time or lacrosse or (laughs) volleyball i don't know uh the kid is talented of course and uh he's gonna be he's gonna be another one of those guys who once they get into college they're going to have to make a choice yep yeah, that's going to be a choice. It's going to be a difficult one to make. Uh, but it is a good problem to have where um, you hear it all the time where, you know, football guys get drafted in the MLB draft and they have to decide, like, do I want to go back to, do I want to go to college and try to get into the NFL or do I want to 
you know, go to the minors and try to work my way up. So, um, of course, that's a couple years down the line, but he's definitely one of those guys I feel like is going to get, like, um, a lot of scholarship opportunities and a lot of, like, hey, uh, I know you've never done it before, but swimming? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah, so good on him. Um, hey, the good thing this week, um, only because I don't know who the fuck the guy was, we don't have any huge deaths to talk about to bring our show down. So, <laughs> there's that. You're talking about the guy that Becky was talking about? Or the commander Anon or whatever like that? Oh, no, that's a different person. Okay. Yeah. So, Becky Lynch lost her trainer this week. Oh, yeah. I, I think it was her trainer or, or maybe not necessarily, but somebody she met while she was training. Okay. Um, and I guess he was a vet from the UK scene, so rest in peace. I don't know who he was. Um, but then, yes, you're right. Um, the other member of the Triangle of Terror, I think that's what they used to call it, or the Triad of Terror, whatever. Um, General Adnan passed away this week, uh, but he was literally only... Um, I only know him from that one SummerSlam. That was it. I don't remember from anything else. Sure. But I think he was more popular in the way earlier 80s and, like, late 70s. And, of course, he wasn't General Adnan in other places. He was, like, his normal name. Or whatever. <laughs> uh, Great information provided to you by me. Just like, yeah, some guy, he was old, and whatever. <laughs> So it wasn't, uh, wasn't her trainer. Okay, it wasn't her. It was, uh, the first person was not Becky's trainer, but it was a friend. 35-year-old Dean Merton. Oh, he was young. Oh, that's sad. Was he a Dublin wrestler? But a friend of hers. Yeah. Um, he wrestled under the name of Alexander Dean. Um, and both... Him and Becky Lynch trained under uh, Finn Balor. Ah, yes, that's right. So it was her training partner. Got it. I guess. Makes sense. Um, I don't see anything in terms of Al. This 35 obviously is incredibly young. But, uh, yeah, so... Bummer for that, and uh, you know, obviously, we're not going to get into it because we don't know the guy. But uh, it, it is a sad thing, obviously. Mm-hmm. But we do have, we do have uh, something to talk about. But before we get into that, there used to be, I guess, a semi-segment on the show of, you know, what what did I watch for the week? Mm-hmm. That does that doesn't happen that much anymore, just because I I just don't have the time as much anymore. Uh, I did finally finish the bear, uh, which nice. was a really good second season, um, and I watched the first episode. It's just a mini series, but uh, the Queen's Gambit, okay, uh, which was Anya Taylor Joy. And <laughs> so, if you're if you're not familiar with Anya Taylor Joy, she's Princess. Uh, she became. Is she Princess Peach? Is she the voice of her? Yeah, she's the voice of Princess Peach. Okay. Um, she's become a bigger star. Um, she was in The Menu. Um, she was in The Witch. 
um, a bunch of other things. Uh, the New Mutants, which I, I, I liked, but a lot of people didn't. She is, as my wife would put it, that chick that has like too much space in between her eyes. Uh, <laughs> which, you look at her, I don't know. I don't know why, but that does that does appear to be like the new hot thing is to have people with uh, with far set apart eyes as like big stars because like the new chick from Little Mermaid has that same thing. I saw a tweet where somebody was like, "Why is it that all the new stars have uh, a complete interstate in between their eyes?" So in the, in the in the show, The Queen's Gambit, which I I watched the first episode, I really enjoyed. I'm not gonna talk about it too much. Mm. They show her character as a kid. And in my head, I was like, do you think that they put out the casting call for, like, nine-year-olds that you could punch them on the nose and not hit eyebrow lashes? Oh, (laughs) my God. Because because all the, the two different girls that they get to play her at, like, five and nine also are that same way where they have you know they're they have farther set apart eyes and you're just like it's good casting you can you can clearly see but also it's like you know that they had to specifically look for that yes (laughs) because they did so but it was a funny it was a very good episode a first episode um which is the important thing to try to get and since it's a miniseries i'll probably finish it in like three months (laughs) no Um, I Look, man, had no time. Most of my weekends, yeah, most most of my weekends are spent being high and watching old horror movies. So I can't, me too. I can't be bothered to watch them. <laughs> you know, I'm still like trying to trying to catch up on Harley Quinn, uh, the the cartoon series. Uh, so I watch that kind of periodically throughout the week when I can. Um, I have, oh man, I watch a lot of adult uh, animation. Not not porn, um, well that too. But um, so like Star Trek, Lord Lord Decks, I watch um, Harley Quinn. I watch Solar Opposites. I used to watch. It's very difficult because they replaced Justin Roiland mm. um, for his his shit that he kind of went through. And if you've ever seen the show Solar Opposites, in truth, Solar Opposites fashion, they replaced him with a voice. That is nowhere near his voice. Uh, and ugh. it's a funny gag to start. Right. But then once you get into like three or four episodes down the line, you're just like, it's so jarring. And like everything else around that character is still very entertaining and fun. But that character is sort of ruined for me. Um, I guess spoiler alert it's a British voice mm-hmm. Justin Rowland's not British so the character wasn't British but so that that was my thing I was like I guess if they would have had just like a normal voice it wouldn't be so jarring but it's so jarring now they're aliens so they have they have a reason for it um and then, like I said, they just make a joke of it. But to me, I'm just like, I was like, I just, I just can't because it's so out of place. Because the rest of them all, for one, what I mean, yes, I understand. One of the characters definitely speaks with like a Minnesota accent. Okay. I don't know the one, 
just speaks with like a normal American accent. So it's not like they're consistent with a lot of their things. But I don't know, man. And it's uh, it's the guy from Legion. Oh, uh, the actor, the actor that was that was the main character in that, doing his normal accent. So he's a good actor. I like him, but for whatever reason, I'm just like, ah. and I'm not sure what they're gonna do for Rick and Morty, which comes back next month. Yeah, because he obviously is the voice of both Rick and Morty. Mm. So I don't know, like those voices. I feel like there's so many people that can do them, like do an impression of them. Just do that. Yeah. Just fight, just hire somebody that does an impression of that voice. I'm again. perfectly fine with that because you know what? It helps me in in a situation yeah. like that because I there are times where I won't even notice that a voice actor has been changed. Right. But sometimes it's been changed so it's such a stark contrast that every time mm. that character speaks, I'm like. Oh, that's not the right voice. Stop that. <laughs> right. Um. See, and my... So, um, for instance, Futurama came back. Mm-hmm. And they have everybody back. Like They have the the entire voice cast is back other than one one person who died. Okay. But they were like minor characters, stuff like that. Everybody sounds the same, except for Fry. And it's only because... Billy West has clearly gotten older. Uh, so he does that voice because that voice was essentially him. Mm-hmm. Like that was his real voice. He does obviously like the professor and things like that else. So there's a little bit of it where you're just like, I can tell you sound older, <laughs> you know, That's... like I can, I can tell you're trying, mm-hmm. but I can, there, there are times that it slips through. Where you're just like, yeah, he is clearly a guy that's like in his seventies now or whatever like that. So it's um, tough it's for a character like yeah. Fry because it's yeah. uh, you know, but I I respect that they're using the same guy. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the John DiMaggio is back and he's one of the best voice actors in the world. You know, he's back as Bender and a plethora of other characters and stuff like that. Um, for whatever reason, when when Billy West does like Zoidberg or or the Professor, like they sound spot on. He's putting on a voice, right? So for whatever reason, it doesn't. It seems like he just can't put on that fry voice anymore. There's just like a little bit, and it's it's subtle, but it's there to the point where I hear it. I'm just like, it's like I can tell. Like I have watched this show religiously enough that I can tell that, you know. But the show is still really fun, and that one isn't as as egregious, and you can kind of move past it, right? You can be like, it's still funny and you know, everything like that, but. <laughs> Like I said, I've tried, to me, I'm just like, it's like, yeah, man, that sucks because you're really good. <laughs> but you know, for how many reason, how many episodes yeah. did the um, was the previous guy doing the voice in the first thing you talked the Justin one? Oh, um, we're talking like three or four seasons. Yeah, yeah. See, it's too seasons. much. It's too much. You can't. Yeah. I've, yeah, you can't you can't pivot like that. You, they they would have probably been better to just kill the character. Yeah, honestly, you're not kidding. And uh, if you kill the character and then have them bring in another alien and be like, "No, oh, I'm this guy" or whatever like that, and have it be a British voice, I think that would be fine. The problem is, is that not only does changing the voice like be jarring, but it also changes the character, and the character is not supposed to change. It's just supposed to be. His voice got shot, it got blasted out, he's got another voice. 
but because of like the way he talks, you're just like he seems like a different character, and there's no explanation for why he's a different person now. You know. Uh, so that's. Did you ever see the Lego Batman movie? Yeah. Nobody but Will Arnett could do that voice for me. It would <laughs> yeah. it wouldn't add up like in my mind. It just wouldn't make sense. Mm. Um, I found episodes of the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle cartoon that didn't have Uncle Phil as Shredder. Mm-hmm. I was very upset. I went, I researched it. I guess there was just like a few episodes that, like you know, he had other commitments or whatever, so they just used a fill in, and it is mm-hmm. abysmal. <laughs> They've been having that issue with uh, Bob's Burgers recently, really, where certain certain characters they just haven't been able to get that and. One of them is uh, a Will Arnett character. And they use a person that sounds very similar, but it's not him. So when the guy talks, you're just like, I know that's not you. (laughs) (laughs) I know you're trying. (laughs) And the the creator even is like, yeah, I probably shouldn't have done it. I I just should not have written the character in because he was unavailable. So (laughs) I'm going to learn, and we're just not going to have it anymore, you know? Yeah. so, and I, I mean, I, I get that. I get having issues sometimes with, with, uh, you know, getting people in. But the, uh, like, if you ever watch the first season of Family Guy, it's fucking weird because Mila Kunis isn't the voice of May, mm-hmm. and you're just like, you're like, oh wow, that's fucking weird. And I get anytime you watch like a long run, like you watch The Simpsons, you watch Futurama, like the first seasons of that, everybody sounds so fucking different, you know, just because they haven't honed in on that character work yet. Like, you watch the first uh, first couple episodes of Futurama, you're just like, Bender sounds so subdued. <laughs> you're just like, that's not him. Right. Like, yeah, he hasn't realized that he can be, like, bombastic and, you know, that. So, yeah, it's, it's funny. Now, you mentioned uh, animes on Netflix. Uh, mm-hmm. And at the end of the month, there is going to be a new Castlevania anime. Awesome. Called Castlevania Nocturne, I think. Okay. Um, I have no idea what the premise is, but I am interested when it comes. I think it's like September twenty seventh or something like that. I will check it out when it when it drops. But um, it's supposed to be the next story they want to tell in the Castlevania series. So I hope it does well because I was a fan of the first series. Yeah. Uh, so the new series, it, it is going to be obviously a whole new story. Yeah. And it's going to focus on Richter Belmont, ah, the yes. descendants of Trevor and Sifa, who are the characters from the original Castlevania series. Um, so at least there's that where, like, it's it's cool if you get all new characters because they're all new characters. Like, But there's that, like, because of the way that the thing is is set, like, yeah, the original, I think it was like three or four seasons of it, is set during, like, the fucking 1600s, and now you're like, okay, well, we can now flash forward to 1792 mm-hmm. and focus on the descendant of it, you know? So, I'll be interested in it, because uh, I watched the first Castlevania um, as well and really enjoyed it. Apparently, he was also... Uh, Richter Belmont was the hero in Castlevania Rondo of Blood. Yep. Um, ironic, and Symphony of the Night. 
Ironically, in the video game history, he was Simon's son. But whatever. <laughs> well, he might still be. It's just a, it was he's a descendant of. Oh, uh, okay, gotcha. Of Trevor. Oh, and the yeah. timeline would make sense then if it's seventeen something because Simon was like sixteen eighty four or something like that. Yeah, so he might still. Be. Um, I don't know any of these voice actors. <laughs> That's not a bad thing. Sometimes no, it's not. New people and like be impressed and stuff. Yeah. Edward Blumel, Pixie Davies. Was it Tuso, Babido, Natasha? In ski, like it's interesting. Let's just get it. It's funny. Oh, he was. Um, I feel like, and I know we'll, we'll get to all the other stuff we're going to talk to this week, but um, Konami really dropped the ball with the Castlevania series, and they saw no money in like making games for like the next gen systems and stuff. But yeah. Netflix has picked up that franchise, and like it's revitalized. You, it, that's interesting because they they have a tendency to do that because um, if anyone has ever played Cyberpunk 2077, because of the issues when that game first came out with the bugs and things like that, a lot of people dropped, a lot of people stopped playing it. And then Netflix did a short-run series called Cyberpunk Edgerunners, uh, which was a fantastic series. And all of a sudden, once that came out people started to go back to the game. Nice. And at that point, they had, they had already fixed a lot of the bugs in it. So oh, when those awesome. people went back... Yeah, so when those people went back to the game, thanks to the TV show, they were like, well, hey, hang on a second. This is actually playing really good. Nice. And that's now they're making they're making a DLC chapter for it. Oh, so, that's awesome. Yeah, so it's like... Sometimes those kind of things can revitalize games. Yeah. You know? And I think Castlevania is the same kind of way where I think we're probably going to see a, a next-gen console Castlevania game soon. Probably. Because of the fact that, that there's been so much more put on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Agreed. All right. So we have, so we have all out and payback to talk about. Mm. Um, there, there is an issue right now. Um, it is, Almost 10 o'clock at night, my time on Thursday. And Square, which is the platform that a lot of people use for not only website creation, um, but also is a, is a payment application, too, that a lot of smaller businesses use. They're fucking down, dude. And have been down the entire day. Yes. So we have not been able to get the prediction results for All Out in order to tell you even who entered into it. Like, we can't even access our site right now for it. Because you we can... have people enter it, enter the picks on the website, so right. since the whole fucking platform is down, we're like, oh. Oh. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> so, we'll talk about the pay-per-view but we will have to wait until next week to actually give a rundown of who entered into it, who they picked, and who won predictions for that. We do have the payback predictions, thanks to Adam pulling it early from, from the website. Yay! Uh, but, uh, yeah. So, 
if you're if you're wondering why when we talk about all out we're not giving the re- the results of the predictions, that's why. Because yes. square done fucked up. But thank God for Adam but, that we can do the payback ones. Yep. But we had a very interesting situation happen within AW. Mere hours before the pay per view that was emanating from Chicago, Illinois. So the tickets had already been purchased. Um, the buys had already occurred for the most part. And we learned the results of the quote-unquote investigation into the CM Punk Jack Perry incident was that AW had decided that they were going to, with cause, terminate the contract of Bill Brooks. So we heard about it on Collison, which used to be Punk Show, that uh, Tony Khan came out there and did a a little pre-tape. You know, the guy that doesn't want to be a on-screen character. Mm-hmm. And essentially said that CM Punk lunged at him and that he feared for his life. And that was the reason why he was firing him. Now... <laughs> Do we have a sound effect for somebody being a little bitch? <laughs> um, I mean, we can use the womp womp wampasaurus one. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> that works. Uh, now, wow. People, okay. people love people love to compare Tony Kondovich man. <laughs> so let's let's go ahead and remind everybody the story of Vince McMahon that we've heard numerous times is that he will jump his wrestlers backstage and put them in headlocks. (laughs) That he... Brock Lesnar came back, threw the belt at him, told him to fuck off, and walked away, and still didn't get fired for it. Like, as much as people fucking love to get on on Vince, he's not a little bitch like that. Where... I... I was gonna gonna mention... uh, when Vince McMahon was in charge back in the early nineties, a six foot eight, three hundred and fifty pound wrestler named Nails tried <laughs> to choke him, and Vince yep. never said he feared for his life. Vince didn't cower. Vince pretty much fought him off. <laughs> yeah. He did get help from other people eventually, but Vince wasn't fucking scared. <laughs> and that well, and that's the dude can, the size of nails, okay? Yeah. And now you can you can look at it as you know Vince was a gym rat and everything like that. Sure, um, sure. But even even people who are not gym rats, people who are promoters understand that sometimes you're going to have confrontations like this because you're dealing with professional wrestlers, you're dealing with professional ass kickers. Like, can you imagine no, like a guy like Bill Watts or Vern Gagne being like, "I was scared for my life." That's the, that's the <laughs> thing. So, even if you were, even if Tony Khan was scared for his life, because not that he got hit, he never got touched. No, the threat he got shouted. The threat that he yeah. might get assaulted. <laughs> you don't say it, right? Right. You also don't sit there and you and start collision with the pre-tape saying as much. 
because you don't need to do that stuff. Essentially, Tony Khan made it about himself. Yeah. He made that whole situation. He specifically made it where it was like, he, he, he put the line in the sand that you can do whatever you want to other wrestlers, but you don't do that shit to me. Mm-hmm. And part of me can understand that. Part of me can go, I, I get it that you don't go after the boss. Right. Sure. Sure. You know? But you also have to do things consistently. And we haven't seen that because, well, first of all, we know we haven't heard half of the shit that goes on backstage because of NDAs and because the dirt sheets love to fucking lick Tony Khan's balls. But what we have heard is the fact that Sammy Guevara has gotten into two to three backstage fights Mm -hmm. and hasn't really faced any problems. The worst thing that he got was he got suspended for saying he wanted to rape somebody. Which um, only happened because of the backlash she got from saying yeah. that he wanted to rape somebody. We literally have somebody accused of road rage and pulling a gun on somebody, retaining his championship. And nothing has been done. He hasn't been pushed. He hasn't been jobbed out. Like, Cash is still a focal point of the tag team division. Somebody who could potentially go to jail for a little bit of time. Wow. You know? Potentially. And there's, n- and there's no consequences on that. Not, and trust me, WWE has done this as well. The problem is that anytime somebody will turn around and say, well, WWE this or whatever that, that is not a good way to defend what is happening over here. That is a terrible way to dismiss it, too. Because just because Jay Uso was okay to after he got his his DUI to go and and win the tag belts over that doesn't mean you should do it too. Right. Be better than that. Well, it, it, what's worse that. than that to me is, like you said, we heard about the Sammy Guevara stuff. Eddie Kingston supposedly punched Sammy Guevara in the face. Right. Um, there's been other things that have been heard where there's been scuffles or 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 shoving, or even punches thrown. We have heard that. It was something with, like, Excalibur and, like, Jimmy Rave ones, like, in the very beginning. Yeah. And I think there was punches thrown. And despite what Punk did at Brawl Out a year ago, and despite what Punk did a couple weeks ago when he he was throwing people out of collision, what made you fire him was... He did it to you. So you're above a guy like yeah. Ryan Nemeth. You're above even Jack Perry, to be honest. Let, let's call it what it is. You didn't fire him because what happened with Jack Perry. You fired him because he got in your face. Let's not forget also the brawl-up stuff. With the brawl-up stuff, he wasn't the instigator. Right. It was the elite busted into his locker room, apparently hit his dog in the face with a fucking door, and then got in his face. And then that's what caused that. They lost the champion. They got stripped of the championships that they then won back a month later because that's how it is. And Punk was painted as the bad guy in all of that. He wasn't a good guy, but 
you know, he definitely shared a lot of the uh, he shared a lot of the blame for it. But again, you had three guys bust into his locker room against two guys, him and Nate Steele. I can understand why your natural reaction would be these three dudes just came and fucking stepped up to me, you know? And and his natural reaction might be to fight. Now, his stuff with Jack Perry and everything like that, we talked about it before, where it was he didn't want Jack Perry to use real glass, and instead of the booker turning around and being like, we're not going to use real glass, that's fucking stupid, mm-hmm. it was put on CM Punk. I understand that Punk didn't react the way he should have, but also... Jack Perry poked the fucking bear. He went out there on live TV and said, Ruby River. Both times that Punk has had these issues, he hasn't been the instigator. Well, I would definitely not go that far. I mean, let's be honest here. Nobody heard nothing. Nobody gave a shit about Cole Cabana fucking a year after Punk signed with... Um, all Elite Wrestling. Literally a year later, he just has a 30-minute match with John Moxley. He tears his tricep, and instead of coming out there and bitching about being injured or talking about, I don't know, the title match, he says, let me tell you something about Cole Cabana. And we're all like, what? And then... Sure. He decided to drop the names of the Bucks and Hangman. So, who instigated what? Because if I... if if I'm in the back and I hear my name dropped in front of the press in that way, I'm probably going to confront you when you come back to the curtain, too. So 100% the the Hangman Page stuff, he was the instigator. He, he brought that shit to TV. Whereas Page was keeping it backstage, where, where it belonged. Punk 100% did that. The problem is, is that the executive vice presidents of the company, first of all, barged into his locker room. Second of all, when Punk hurt himself and fucked up the buckshot lariat, they literally did a spot making fun of it yes. on live TV. Yes, they did. So they continued to instigate with him and to and to fuck with him. And it's like, those are your EVPs of the company mm-hmm. who are taking shots at one of your top drawing employees instead of taking the higher road like they should as executives and not do shit like that. But then, <laughs> once he got fired, they proceeded to make their collision debut. Of course, they had to make it by themselves. And they were doing fucking victory, victory laps. After well, at least Matt Jackson was. Um, and and that's, that's the representatives of your company. Well, okay, so here's, here's the thing. I'm not... I am not going to defend the Bucks. But the Bucks have been the Bucks for the past ten years. This is what they do, and 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 this is why a lot of people in the business like I can't fucking stand the Bucks. Um, yeah, because it, just look at their fucking YouTube show. That's all they do is they take like a feud or something somebody wrote about them and they just make fun of it. Yeah, and they've been doing it for years. And the thing with Punk, fuck, they were friends with Punk at one point. But they decided to take Colt's side, which is... Look, I'm not getting in the, in the middle of that. Here's my biggest issue with this entire situation. CM Punk has his own issues and is to blame for many of much of what happened because he is very temperamental and he is very sure. thin-skinned. 
and he feels like he's, he has to react in a violent, aggressive way every single time somebody disagrees with him. This has been his MO since he was like 20 years old. I don't get it. I don't understand why he's got this chip on his shoulder. He's got a beautiful wife. He's got a healthy dog, despite everything that the elite tried. <laughs> I wouldn't call it healthy. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the Bucks, and I would put this more on the Bucks than Kenny, but the Bucks are fucking children. They are literally yeah. the fucking children that Punk was talking about at Brawl Out when he said, I work with fucking children. It's true, because they're like little fucking 12-year-old boys. What's yeah. what's and really nobody, nobody knew Yeah, nobody knew about the issues until CM Punk ate a muffin right. and <laughs> put it on black. Right. My biggest disappointment, my biggest takeaway from this entire situation was Tony Khan fucked up worse than any owner I've ever seen. And I and I've seen some doozies in sports when they sign like a big name free agent. But what could have been when Punk came into this company two years ago and you had a million point four viewers for the first time since your debut episode. And we never got the few now and now it's what could have been on both sides because Punk's body didn't hold up on his end of the agreement. Um but Tony didn't hold up on his either because we didn't get Punk and Kenny. We didn't get we didn't even get Punk and Danielson. Fuck, that would have been fucking fun since those two have a history. Um, and instead, over the course of a year, Punk went from I can't wait to work with all these young guys to I hate fucking working with these young guys. And then you bring him back for collision. You make the whole show about him. That's a decision you as an owner decided to do. You purposely did that, and now Collision sucks. And it's and it's nothing to do with the guys who are assigned to it. It's that it's just another rampage now. It's not it going to be booked different. It's going to be the exact same thing as Dynamite. Right, and that, and that first episode with Al Punk clearly showed that because the soft brand split ended, mm-hmm. which was a big thing. Was the, the House of Black was like, we only want to be on this show because... We want to be a draw on this show. So you ended that. You had the Bucks come out there and fucking... Which we've already seen continue to lose viewers every time they show up. There's there's quarter hours that show they consistently are a negative draw. So they show up over there. The show goes and loses 89,000 people after the end of that announcement. 89,000 people turned off collision. After they heard CM Punk was fired. And then it, they proceeded to lose from the start of the show to the end of the show 80% of their audience for that show. To the point where they dropped down. Was it a record to, low of like 212 or something? Yes. Yeah. Now, that first start of the show saved it so it didn't look as bad because mm-hmm. the final numbers are an average. But you're not, you're already going into this was the last show before college football creams you yep. on a consistent basis. Yep, and it doesn't matter what division is playing, doesn't matter, because you know what? Nope. Those games, uh, there's college football on all day on Saturdays, for anybody who yep. doesn't know. But the games yeah. they put on at night, those those are the good ones. Those are the, those are the ranked teams. Mm-hmm. Those are the money makers. Those are the ones that people are going to tune in for. Mm-hmm. And as much as you 
can can try to claim that like you know wrestling fans don't watch certain things. Wrestling fans watch college football. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to tell you that. And they watch, and obviously this this was the last week of Monday Night Raw, not going up against Monday Night Football. Sure. So they're going to take a little hit too. But again, even collectively putting together all of AEW's three shows of the week, they're still not going to come near Raw's ratings, even with Monday Night Football against them. The the other part about this that everybody was very um, interested in was was Tony Khan's timing. Now let's talk about that for a second because he had the pay per view coming up the next day. He had Collision coming on in a few hours, but they decide to drop this news. I don't know, two three p.m. that Saturday. Yep. There's a lot of there's a lot of different things I was thinking when this happened. Um, they're trying to get the attention on them and not payback. That's why they right. chose that time. But then I thought even deeper, like maybe they were hoping that the fans in Chicago that were punk fans would just not show up and hopefully not hijack their show. Yep. Now, we're, we're going to talk about their show in a little bit, but the one thing I do want to mention about that live Chicago crowd, um, I didn't watch it live. I had to watch it back later on, a few days later, and... I'm not sure if they did it on the live broadcast, so I can't speak to it, but they muted the crowd for a lot of different points at various different times because they were chanting for CM Punk. That's weird because they never do anything with their crowd noise. They, they definitely don't pipe in Jericho chant or, or singing. They definitely don't pipe in booze or cheers or anything like that. They, they never juice their audio. And you can tell, yeah, right. You can tell they they muted the crowd because of the way the announcers sounded. Like over it, it almost sounded yeah. like someone was doing a voiceover from. And that's how you know they just okay. We push the button to block out background noise. Yeah. <laughs> um. It, it is a situation that a lot of people. Not just after Brawl Out, but I'll say a lot of people, even when he signed and came back to wrestling, was like, good luck, man. He's a ticking time bomb. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, what somebody... I I did see something today I thought was really interesting. Within a two-year period, the only two people that really ever drew a dime in this company, somehow Tony kind of fucked up both those relationships. The first yeah. one was Cody, and mm-hmm. and look, I I can I can have my feelings about CM Punk. I've been down the the road with CM Punk, so to speak, um, and recently, I'm not a fan of the guy. As definitely not anything like I was, but I will admit he is a draw. His name gets headlines, and why why? <laughs> Why would you sacrifice any eyes that he brings in when you're already losing so many? You have issues with ticket sales, you have issues with ratings, and you take your biggest draw and you say, forget you? What? I mean, show fault for putting him in that position of being your biggest draw. Again, they shouldn't have made Collision all about Punk, but it's just another guy that... that you can't afford to lose. Like, they could afford to lose a Jericho. They could probably even afford to lose a Moxley. 
but when you're talking about ticket sales and, and ratings, I don't think you can afford, afford to lose people like Cody and Punk. Right. Yeah, and that's going to be an issue because now you have the problem of you have your tag champions, FTR, who are already going through some some issues with uh, with the law. Now are the biggest supporters of CM Punk and have requested their release. Which Tony will so, absolutely grant to them, right? Right, because that's what we've always been told is that he would never hold anybody hostage. Right. He would never, he would never make it that they couldn't go and do their dream. Like, look, they, they released William Regal because he asked nicely. Then they turned around and said that he uh, he lied to them to get a release. Right. So they're, you know, it's, it's that too, but yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with uh, with their tag belts. You think Tony Baloney tries to fucking spin it that he fired Dax? Or, and, I'm sorry, he fired Cash because of the the gun charges. You know, it wouldn't surprise me. Three weeks later, we have decided that the investigation is complete, and uh, Cash and his partner are fired because of uh, gun charges. <laughs> Now, it should be said that uh, ShopAW.com still has all of CM Punk's merch on there. Interesting. Now, which of course has led a lot of people to think that this might be a work. It's not. No, I don't What that so. is is that they probably have, uh, if, they, if they, people purchase them, the, those shirts, AW's going to get a cut of it still. Yeah, of course. They're on there. Like, they're what's left out of inventory. They're not going to produce new ones. Right. But... Yeah, exactly. So. <sighs> but yeah, so um, I'm not a CM Punk fan by any stretch. Um, that, that's that been well documented here. I have, I have understood um, his place in the wrestling world. I have understood the issues that he's had to an extent. And I, I do look at it as AW and them and them doing this fucking victory lap after getting rid of him. I do think that is going to affect them to an extent because we've already seen the the well dry up on former WWE guys that have moved over to AW. That has stopped now. Hasn't completely, I shouldn't say it's not, it hasn't completely stopped. It's down to a trickle now. Because a lot of those issues backstage have been exposed. And a lot of and you feel like a lot of people look at Cody and talk with Cody. And he tells it straight that there was an issue backstage. And I understand that you still get these fucking, you have Jade Cargo who, like, just put out an interview saying that, like, Tony Khan's such a great boss, stuff like that. Yeah, okay, you're saying that, like, you can text him, and three minutes later he texts you back. So why the fuck didn't he fucking text Brian Pillman for the past couple of months when he was asking for a new contract and things like that? So you can definitely tell if you're cool with him, he will text you back right away. If you're not... You're not going to hear from a long time. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you've got guys like Andrade and Miro 
and other people like that going, this is fucking bullshit, don't come here, you know. And obviously, the most recent person, and, and it, it happened on All Out, and we'll talk about it, C.J. Perry, uh, the wife of Miro, showed up and was only signed for this one event. Which, despite the fact that it looked like it might be leading to something. Yeah, I was going to say, which makes no sense why they would plant seeds for a story of redemption between her and Miro, but right, why not just have no. the big hug and be the end of that, and then he can carry her out yeah. of his shoulder or something. Yeah. As much as people right now are shitting on the fact that guys like Carlito and AOP are signed to WWE, but haven't debuted yet, mm-hmm. they have no problem with guys debuting in AEW and then just disappearing for months on end because they literally had one idea for him and nothing sustained. Yep. Personally, I'd rather sit there and collect some fucking paychecks and wait for creative to have something good for me than to show up like we've seen so many people do who have these big debuts in AEW and then they turn around and they are just fucking lost in the shuffle or we don't hear from them again. Like, we had this whole thing where, oh, we get this idea that Jericho's going to beat, Jericho's going to lose to Action and Dreddy, and he's going to be a big fucking star. Where the fuck is he now? Right. Oh, he's <laughs> on know? Rampage every now and then. Um, big yeah, star. Every once in a while. So here's the thing. Yep. If I'm Miro, Andrade, or even the House of Black, I, I am worried that my TV time is going to be cut on. Under Rosa as well? Yeah. Um, because now that the Bucks, it, it's basically like the Bucks have control of the company again. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it, it's going to be just like it was in 2020, which wasn't a good year for them, to be honest. Um, yeah, you had your you had your safe space. You had Collision was all right. This is the point. This is the place where if you are not a, a young Bucks cock. You can go there and you can actually be treated with respect. Yeah, and wrestle and be on TV and stuff. Yeah, and now you don't have that. Right. So let me ask you this. Uh, two separate questions. Do you think CM Punk is brought back to the WWE? And if so, who would you like to see him work with? Um... If I'm bringing him back to the WWE, I would like to see him, and I would like to see him come back as a heel mm-hmm. and work with and work with Ellie Knight. Okay, okay, I'd be down for that. Um, so to me, work is going to work, right? Like that's what they always do. A few months ago, when Seth Rollins was was asked if he would like Punk back in the WWE, and he went on that tirade about, no, no, stay away, he's a cancer. Right. I feel like Seth was positioning himself. Because he's on a short list of first opponents if CM Punk were to return, and I think making those comments in the media automatically moves him ahead of Roman. You know what I mean? Like, if, if yep. for Punk's first program, like, you do Seth because that's the that's the buzz and that's what everybody was talking about and stuff, and you can make it look real. Um, 
So I th- I feel like Seth was working. Now, there are probably people who do not get along with Phil Brooks that are still in that company. Um, sure. I don't know about how many of them, though, because even the boss, and I'm not talking about Vince, but the actual boss these days, who had so many issues with Punk, he's a smart man. Triple H is not an idiot. He knows what he can do, what somebody like Punk can do, uh, what numbers he can bring in. And even if it's right. a short-term deal, why wouldn't you explore that option? Now, as far as who I'd like to see him work with, who I'd like to see him work with, um, definitely want to see him come back as heel. And I think, yeah, anything with Sami Zayn or Kevin Owens would be fun. Yeah. Now, Kevin Owens uh, used to be close with the Bucks. So I think that would be interesting to see if that is still the case. And if that is, would that be something that CM Punk would be willing to do? Now, Kevin doesn't seem like that type of person mm-hmm. to turn around and you know be a fucking pricker over that. But yeah, you bring in CM Punk and you have the opportunity there to put him up against a lot of guys that he's never worked with before. A lot of very talented guys. You know, you've got Damien Priest, Finn Balor, you know, uh, Dominic Mysterio. You've got those guys that he can work with. Obviously, we talked about it before, Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, who hasn't worked with him in a long time. <clears throat> LA Knight. Like, there's, there's a lot there's a lot more intriguing matchups in WWE than I think in AEW. Yeah. Dude, even when Rey Mysterio... Remember when Punk was feuding with Mysterio and he sang to his, like, now 18-year-old daughter, but back then she was 8 and was really creepy? Yeah. <laughs> so they could revisit that if they wanted to. Oh, for sure. But but the idea of Punk having interactions with Rey or Dominic or the Judgment Day, I mean, yeah, it's probably... it's. It's compelling. Now, yeah. if if we never if we never hear anything about it again, and he doesn't end up coming back to wrestling, at least not for a while, um, I don't blame WWE because why would you want that back in your company? Um, There's money. There's money to be made. Sure. And that being said, what a fucking hypocrite if Punk did go back because. He was so fucking adamant for ten years that he would never step foot into that place again. Um, so there's there's two things that make Punk not a hypocrite for going back. One is the fact that Triple H is in charge now. But Triple H was the uh, guy he had the problem with. Vince wanted to keep Punk. Two, we had well, yes, but Triple H has also discussed on record that like. You know, things between him and Punk could have been better. Like, he has talked, he has done enough of, like, the damage control. Uh, not the shitty uh, trio, but he's done enough of that to to sort of put it where you're like, okay, I can understand that they're, like, kind of bearing the, the sledgehammer. <laughs> um, the, the other part is, when Vince McMahon was on Broken Skull Sessions, and he specifically was asked about CM Punk, he said, and I quote, I apologize. He said that sometimes he 
doesn't know what's going on over in legal, and legal doesn't know what's going on over in talent relations. Sometimes wires get crossed, and he said Punk got served some of his severance papers on his wedding day, and that was unfortunate, and I apologize. So we've already got that out there, too. The fact that, like, WB has gone on record and being like, it's our fault, but it wasn't intentional. And we're, and it's a, my bad. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And I think, so, I, I can definitely, even going back to that day when Punk did the the podcast and stuff like that, I, I definitely see how it looks to somebody yeah. who just lost their job, but from a business point of view, it, it doesn't matter how petty you are you don't handle the fucking if you're the owner you don't handle the paperwork you don't right. handle the dates that shit gets shipped out you don't fucking have anything to do with that right so there's um, no need to be like I'm gonna fire him on his wedding day what dude just send the fucking should, papers and, and I'm done yeah. Yeah. it should also be noted the only reason that that went down was because Punk walked out. <laughs> um, it should also be noted that, by his own admission, Punk has has verified this, as has Triple H. Hunter called him the day before his wedding and was like, can we talk? Yeah. And Punk was like, not right now, I'll, I, I'll, I'll call you next week. Now... Mm. That might have been the tenth time that Hunter's tried to talk to him. Exactly. And yeah. at that point, that's probably why they were like, "He won't talk, boss. Drop the papers. Let him go." Yep. Yeah. Fuck. I mean, yep. it just happened to be his wedding weekend, but I mean, what the fuck? If I'm if I'm gonna reach out to you, you're not gonna return my calls for three straight months, which is exactly what yeah. happened. Yep. Yeah. Again, this was a guy who walked out of the company. Yes. A company that had plans for him. They weren't the plans that he liked, but the company was going to continue to book him. And as much as he loves to talk about that he was underappreciated, he still was the champion for 400 fucking days. Mm-hmm. You know, you can sit there and you can you can bitch and moan about, oh, The Rock taking the belt off and stuff like that. But that's been WWE's MO for a while. And you didn't see those same kind of situations with other people that were putting that to Like, Kevin Owens lost the fucking championship to Goldberg. You didn't see him fucking turn around and quit the show and things like that. He just understood, like, that's part of that's part of the fucking business. Dude, Kevin Owens has had a lot of bad creative since, since the days when he yeah. was Universal Champion. A lot mm-hmm. of bad creative. And that man has fought through all of it, He's never, ever said a bad word about the company. Not that he would, but I'm just saying, like, he's done everything they've ever asked him to do. And lo and behold, he fucking main evented WrestleMania this year as and won the main event of WrestleMania. Right. It's not something a lot of people can say. Sam Punk can't say it. <laughs> so, um, you know, th- there's a lot to be said for loyalty and for for it, it's a business there's ups and downs and you gotta go you're not always gonna be the tippy top yes there's there's few guys like Roman Reigns but look at Seth Seth was booked around the mid card for a while you know mm-hmm. it happens yeah. you go it's like ebbs and flows but 
it would be it would definitely be a kick in every single AEW fan's nuts if Punk showed up in the WWE. And I think that Tony will be very upset if that happens. Sure. And but again, it's it's your own fault, dude. Oh, hundred like percent. He can he can try to say as much as he wants that you know he's trying to make it that people want AEW to be their destination, but it's not happening. Because you do see a lot of these guys, MJF, Wardlow, Ricky Starks, like everybody talks about these guys should be in WWE. <laughs> like, and that seems to be the dream for them as well. Then you've got guys like Darby Allen sitting there being like, I'll never go to WWE. It's like, you were never going to get an offer, asshole. <laughs> like, no. They weren't going to offer it to some fucking twink who continually tries to kill himself on a weekly basis. Yeah. Um, yeah, you, that at that point you're claiming, oh, I'm a, I'm an AW lifer because you can't get a job with the big boys, right? And I'm sorry, but it's the fucking truth. Yeah, same thing with Orange Cassidy. Like, nobody, you know, nobody, nobody ain't offering him a fucking contract. Cause look at him, <laughs> you know. Like they would, look, they would have to is, change so much. A, of him. There is a chance that if you are at the position of people like the Bucks and Kenny. That you don't take an offer from the WWE. It's not likely, but there is a chance because you run the fucking company over here. I get that. Anybody who's not the Bucks and Kenny, you're taking that deal. And you're taking it in a heartbeat. Yeah. You know, Jade Cargill turned around and said when when she first got hired on that she turned down WWE's offer, but not for AEW, for a modeling gig. Eventually, when WWE wasn't calling anymore, AW brought her back. Right. Now you see she's to the point where she lost the championship, she's gone. Like she has just ghosted the fucking company. And you feel like there's a good chance she might never be a wrestler again. Now, part of that might be because of the way that she was treated, but also part of it has to be the fact that she has seen the way those fans can be. Those fans tore that check up for the past couple of years for not being good. And if she was making you know, money modeling, why why put your body through wrestling? <laughs> because that's the thing. It's like if you're a fucking model, you do a photo shoot, you do a fucking runway thing. You're not having fans heckling you over them. Oh no, not they at don't all. care. You know. You yeah. Go so there, not only is the environment different, but you're you're able to make just as much money in modeling or doing whatever else. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, exactly. you, you look at it when you have those fucking cesspool of fans like the AEW stands and the shit, God knows some of the shit they must have said to her or tweeted at her. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just sit back and you go, why, why am I doing this? I don't have to do right. this. I don't need this shit. And, yeah. And I also understand if she goes to WWE, you get some creeps, you get some fans that are going to do that same kind of shit to wrestling fans are pretty toxic sometimes so it doesn't matter which company you work for and it can cause somebody um like a jade cargo like uh, a lot of the different women's wrestlers to go i can make more money fucking spreading my cooter online and not have to deal with these people or just using these creeps to their to my advantage kind right. of and that's why you see there's a reason why mandy rose hasn't shown up on AWTV. She does not, not only because 
Not only because Tony Khan doesn't care about Roman's wrestling, but also because she has no fucking need to. Oh, she's making bank. right now. <laughs> yeah, right, right now you're making a ton of money and not destroying your body. Mm-hmm. You know, if it turns around that that starts drying up, I think then you'll see her turn around and go, "All right, I'm going to shut shut down my OnlyFans. I'm going to go back to WWE." Yeah, probably. You know, and they take it right back. It would be a mutual. Right. It would be a mutual agreement. Oh, you shut down your OnlyFans? Oh, can you start on Tuesday again? Because <laughs> yeah. remember, WWE has had no issue with people showing their titties or their assholes when they're not employed. Right. Sure. Of course. So you have somebody like Mickey James who fucking showed her roast beef, and then they're like, "All right, don't do that again, and we'll hire you." And she goes, "Okay." <laughs> you know, Maria Canellas will turn around and do a fucking you know, a uh, topless movie or whatever like that. If she get, she were ever to get hired on again, which she wouldn't be because she's a coot, um, they would just be like, yeah, don't do that again. And be like, okay. Yeah, and but that, with, with Maria, it is kind of uh, hypocritical since they're the ones who put her in Playboy. When she was like 24. Yes. <laughs> right. 20 years ago. Sure. Uh, yes, we. That's Maria Canales. That's the big thing. Yeah, that's the big thing. People love, love to throw out there. Was like, well, WWE. Yes, it was a different time at that point. Like, that doesn't happen anymore because they're a PG company and they realize that the money is in the kids and not in the fucking forty-year-old men, you know, buying shit. Right. So now, yes, they do have that, and they haven't had an issue with the women showing off massive cleavage and stuff like that. It's strictly been. Don't show your nips. Don't show your asshole. Don't show your pussy. You're fine. You know, you can you can go out there in a fucking thong with your ass hanging out. That's fine. Don't care about that. Just don't do anything that's going to make people, you know, make kids turn around and be like, I saw Alexa Bliss's boobies. Like, that's, <laughs> you know, that's all that's all they care about right now. It's just like, and, and trust me, you get the same thing with like Nickelodeon, Disney Channel, you know, teen stars. They have that same kind of morality clause in their stuff where they go, yeah, don't do that stuff while you're on a contract with us. And then as which soon is why, as their contract expires, <laughs> they go and they direct porn. <laughs> right. Yes, because you have, like, fucking Maiden Ward now just doing fucking hardcore porn. Uh, I just watched the, the Rob Zombie Halloween movie this past weekend, and Daniel Harris, a former Nickelodeon star, Spends the majority of the movie topless. And just like, yep, we know exactly why. Because you were forced not to be able to do take roles like that until you were done with that contract. So, yeah, the same thing with right now, the former Lacey Evans, Macy Estrella, is now unemployed. Them, t- them titties is coming. Oh, like, I wouldn't say she's unemployed. I mean, I've already seen... You say give it time, man. You must be sleeping on some of these sites. I've already seen some things. Well, you know, just she hasn't fucking spread anus yet. Not so yet. That's coming. But we're real close. Uh, yep. Speaking of spreading anus, we should probably get into these pay per views, huh? Payback uh, emanated from somewhere, and <laughs> <laughs> so a uh, special shout out to the following people: uh, Jason Jackson. Uh, Jordan Wedgwood, Nick H, Dr. Glashen, Sal Adam, Gaza Juggalo, Heartbroken Ginger, uh, Michael Smithers, uh, Bray. Oh, yeah. CM Punk's dog. 
and Fetus Rose. I just realized that I made this and never did my own prediction. Oh, so god I damn it. <laughs> I guess I get zero on that, so I got last place. Shame, shame, uh, shame. Uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. We are live from the PPG Paints Arena. That's not a that's not a lie. That's literally what's called. Nice. Corey Graves is ecstatic to be home in Pencil- in Pittsburgh. That's right. Becky Lynch took on Trish Stratus in a steel cage match. Mm-hmm. Um, this one was a very good match. It was one where Trish got the fuck beat out of her. Mm-hmm. And it culminated in, I wouldn't call it a face turn for Zoe Stark, but it definitely was a we're done with the Trish Stratus Zoe Stark pairing because Trish slapped Zoe Stark, told her to go to the cage, and Stark hit the Z360 on her and walked off, and Becky Lynch pinned Trish Stratus and won. Mm-hmm. A little bit out of order. Becky Becky did that first, and all that with Zoe was after the match. But, but. That's true. Um, first of all, the match. Great match. Best match these two have had. Best match Trish has had since she's been back. Um, she definitely put her body through a lot in the cage. Um, there was one point where they they caught her legs up in the top of the cage, and then she dangled off it upside down, like 30 feet, you know, in the, not 30 feet, but you know what I mean, 15 feet in the air. <clears throat> And then she used her core muscles to fucking do a, like, sit-up and get back up. And I was like, holy shit, that takes a lot of fucking core strength. Um, and these two just beat the shit out of each other. It was it was really good. Michael Cole went a little bit over the top saying it was the best women's match he's ever seen and candidate sure. for match of the year. And I was like, oh, Rhea and Charlotte on line one. Um, but it was yep. it was a very good match. It was not uh, the greatest match of all time, but it was very good, very good. Um, and then right. after the after the match, as you mentioned, Trish is looking for someone to blame, and she slaps Zoe and tells her to get the. It looked like she said, "Get the fuck out of my ring." <laughs> um, Zoe decides to close the cage door, and she's like, "I'm sorry. What'd you say? One more time." Boom. Z three sixty. I liked it. Yeah. Very much. Uh, so everybody except for Ginger, Jord, and uh, Jason got a point for that one for picking Becky Lynch. I cannot tell. Spoiler alert! If Ginger intentionally tried to pick the wrong people, but it didn't. It, you're going to hear him not getting points for most of the night. So just uh, be prepared for that. It's okay. Sometimes it happens. Very happy. Yeah, very happy to see Ginger back. Um, would love to have you back on the show, buddy. After that, we go to The Miz versus L.A. Knight, which, yeah, we heard that L.A. Knight re-signed for five years with WWE. Uh, Now if they could just push him. (laughs) If you don't remember, when L.A. Knight first came back, he said, if I'm not getting over in two months, fire me. Because he was so confident that he was going to get over and he did, to the point that he is now signed probably for a lot more money than he was before, and for the next five years, 
and there seems to be rather big plans for the guy. Which is absolutely great, because... Look, I, I remember I loved the Eli Drake character when I first saw it. I enjoyed his time in NXT. And then when we started with the... Um, Oh, what the fuck was his name? Uh, John Cena? No, the... What was L.A. Knight's name when he first came to the main roster? Oh, uh, he was... Max. Was Max, Max, Dupree. Max Dupree. Okay. Yep. Um, I thought that was stupid as hell, but I was like, it's a foot in the door. Mm-hmm. And then they started letting him be L.A. Knight, and I'm so happy for this dude that he's getting all of the recognition in all the big spots right now. Uh, yeah, you mentioned uh, Mr. You Can't See Me, John Cena, who decided... So first he was the host of Payback. Let's let's make that clear. Coming out there looking like friggin'... I don't know what he was trying to go for, but... <laughs> not only was John Cena the host for Payback, John Cena decided to make himself the special guest referee for Miz vs. LA Knight, uh, yep. which was very interesting because... It worked. It worked perfectly for what they were trying to do. I guess... So, I, I enjoy this match. Um, it appears as though Cena and The Miz are going to be in a feud going forward. So I'm not sure how much I like that Ellie Knight sort of played third wheel to their feud starting up. I was thinking that. But, especially after Raw. <laughs> Yeah, but LA Knight getting a win over a former champion like The Miz, a former two-time champion, um, is still big, and he was on the card, mm-hmm. uh, so that was important. Um, obviously, with this one here, you know the the Miz mocking Cena was his downfall. You know, trying to hit the uh, the well, it used to be the five knuckle shuffle. I don't know if it still is, which is a clear fucking masturbation joke. Um, but yeah. It's the BFT for the win, and everybody, except for Ginger, get a point for that. All right. And if you remember, that means that Ginger selected Ain't Nobody Picking the Mills. <laughs> um, but yeah. I really like the, the aftermatch, because Cena took off his ref shirt, basically in my mind saying, okay, I'm done with that duty. And now I'm going to put you over as a competitor. And he he right. he shook L.A. Knight's hand, which I'm glad L.A. Knight stayed true in his character. He wasn't like, oh yay, John Cena. He's like, I don't know, man. You kind of almost caught me that cost me that match out there. Yeah. And he's like, but you won anyway. He's like, my man. All right, lift my arm. Here we go. <laughs> so it was good. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was good. Next up, the United States Championship, Rey Mysterio defends against Austin Theory, Rey Mysterio wins. Okay. Uh, everybody except for Ginger, Adam, Sal, and Nick got a point for that one. <sighs> I got nothing for this match. No, me neither. <laughs> it, first of all, I like Austin Theory. I do too. I don't like what he's currently doing, yeah, but I like him. There's not really any substance to it. <laughs> so, 
and I'm I'm I know that they can pivot with this guy because he's far too fucking young and talented to not be able to come up with something. Um, Rey Mysterio holding a championship doesn't do anything for me anymore. No, because like yeah, but again, we know that he's his championship run isn't going to be that long, so something's going to happen there. Um, I'm, I was glad that they didn't just put the title back on Austin Theory because I do think that they need a rebranding of him. Sure, um, sure, that makes sense. Yeah, so having him just win the title back, you're not going to be able to do anything. But take it, but keeping the title off of him, pivoting him away from any title scene and rebuilding him up, I think is going to be the much more important too. Slight concern from this developing situation with the. Uh with, uh, not Andrade, excuse me, uh, with Rey Mysterio and Santos, is that if the end goal is Santos versus Rey, have you almost built it up too much at this point where now you have to wait to do it? You slow burn it until Mania? No. (laughs) No, I I think you could do a Rumble win. For, for the title. I don't think that you have to wait too much longer on it. Rumble win is still four months away, man. Yeah, four months as opposed to seven. I know, <laughs> but four months of Rey Mysterio's United States champion. Yeah. Boring. Well, whatever. Right. At least we I have one mid-card title that's actually, like, relevant, but then we'll get yeah. to that. I mean, you can do Survivor Series if you really want to, to get it off of them. Possibly. But I feel like, but I feel like that's like he's. I feel that title's not going to be defended at Survivor Series. Probably not. I feel like he's going to be a part of whatever team is against the Judgment Day. Yeah, that would make sense. Speaking of Judgment Day, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn defended their undisputed WWE Tag Team Championships against Finn Balor and David Priest. Yet again, we continue to hear that they're eventually going to split these titles and we're going to have the WWE World Tag Team Championships and the WWE Tag Team Championships like we did back in the day. That still hasn't happened. They're still holding around fucking two belts. They're still being defended as as, as one single championship with two belts. And this match had JBD McDonough all over it. It did, that's true. But he made sense in this one, and he did help them get the win as Finn Balor and Damien Priest defeat Owens and Zane, and Finn Balor becomes a Grand Slam champion. So first, from a story perspective, uh, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn got screwed. They literally had to fight five on two for almost the entire match. Um... Dominic got involved, Rhea got heavily involved, and then as you mentioned, McDonough got heavily involved. Um, I, as a lifelong Bruins fan, can respect the Pittsburgh Penguins franchise, mm-hmm. and I popped when he came out there with the uh, with the Mario Lemieux jersey, and, and right. Sammy had the Crosby one on. That was that was awesome. Um. It was a it was a brutal match. It was back and forth. It was it was kind of long. I think it was over twenty minutes. Um, 
And I was actually surprised at the end result because I was like, oh, wow, they actually did it. They they put the tag titles on the Judgment Day. That's awesome. Um, yeah. And I'm not too worried about Sammy and Kevin because it might give them new life now for different things. This, uh, this title run, while it was a great moment when they won it, has been rather lackluster. Mm-hmm. Uh, which sucks because those because I love those two guys. Right. So I like I like Balor and Priest winning it uh, because I think that that adds a little complexity to it. And obviously, we still have the Money in Bank hanging around there. We have JD Madonna kind of hanging around there. So I think it there's there's more story that can develop with them having the championships than having Zayn and Owens. And now you can maybe just go back to having Zayn and Owens being singles guys um, or, you know, um, figuring something else out with them. Right. So a couple of, couple of big spots in this. Uh, most of them with Owens. Um, Swantoning fucking Dominic through the table. Off of the guardrails, uh, him getting speared through a fucking barricade by Rhea Ripley, which had to have been hot. Uh, he he wound up bleeding in the match too for a yep. little bit. Yep. Um, it uh, was. I, uh, I really hope that guy is able to walk in ten years because that bump he took, that Swanton off the uh, guardrail, he. He got all tailbone on that one, right on the gun. Oh, sure. Yep. Yeah. And I was like, oh. Uh, so, <laughs> so only Dr. Glashan and CM Punk's dog got a point for that one, as they both chose Judgment Day. Everyone else chose Kevin Owens and Sam Hussein. Mm-hmm. Um, we did have... Cody Rhodes on the Grayson Waller effect because he's back to being a talk show host. <laughs> but this did have it be where Cody announced that Jay Uso was being traded to Raw and would be a singles guy. Well, can you be? They, they considered a trade and he, he quit. So I don't know how they were able to get him traded. I guess it was a sign and trade deal. But that opened up the. Somebody from Raw is going to SmackDown, even though anybody that's on Raw can show up on SmackDown anyways. Uh, which, of course, made everyone think, oh, well, here comes Cody over to fucking SmackDown to finish the story. Okay. Uh, which, yeah, go ahead. A lot of things here. Um, so, first of all, it is an interesting booking decision because we removed Jay Uso from TV which was surprising to me since he was so red hot um, and he quote unquote quit the WWE which made me think he was going to take time off for at least a month or two that was well, like, kind of how I figured it like maybe Survivor Series he'd show back up uh, instead a week later apparently he's uh, well you know we know Jay he's very temperamental he's very um uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, spontaneous, right? You know, he's very yep. reactionary. So uh, Cody talks to me and decides, ah, oh, well, you know what? I was just kidding. I'll go to Raw. Okay. Now, for Jay Uso, the character on TV, this is going to do wonders for him. I love the new-ish theme music. Um, mm-hmm. 
just me ooze instead of <laughs> uh, down since day one, and then he says just me ooze. Yeah, um, I, I like the fact that his Tron was red and Jimmy's was blue, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and now you now you have main event Jey Uso on his Tron, mm-hmm. uh, and Jimmy apparently picked up an extra M along the way. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> I absolutely love the idea of Jimmy now being, I'm sorry, Jay being on his own and he has to kind of answer for his sins for the past couple of years. And everybody on Raw's gunning for him. And here's my idea is because they made it a point to say, <clears throat> you know, Jay was actually traded to Raw and, and there will be draft compensation. And then on Raw, they made it a point to say, well, you know, Jay. Just to let you know, someone, someone from Raw is going to be sent to SmackDown, and that might, that might get you more heat. Right. Which is amazing to me because, how do you think Kevin Owens is going to feel if Sammy gets sent to SmackDown? Well, that is the interesting thing. Is obviously people are thinking it's Cody, um, but if Cody wins the Rumble, you have that out. Right. Exactly. He can go for whatever one championship he wants. So that's the thing that you can kind of go, well, what if with them losing the tag belts, you break them up? Mm-hmm. You know, so there's definitely that opportunity as well. And then if you, I do think moving Sammy is the better story because then you have Kevin having to sort of coexist with Jay. Well, he's going to come at Jay. He's going to be like, yeah. I never wanted you here. Are you kidding me? I never yeah. liked you. He's got yeah, to deal with it. Deal with the fact that his friend now got shipped off. Mm-hmm. and Who just happens to be um, Jay's only ally at this point. Right. And also, the bloodline's over there. Mm-hmm. And they don't like Sammy right now. Mm-mm. So, <laughs> yeah. And you have an automatic I mean, feud with him and Hill Jimmy. I mean, that's just money yeah. right there. So you you can kind of continue these little bloodline spinoffs while Roman takes his four month vacation. Uh, he'll be back by Survivor Series. I mean, what other world champion misses September and October in their fucking year? But that's okay. What can you do? Yeah, people people love to to point out like. Oh, he's only had this many title defenses. Oh, Tiffy's only had like three title defenses in her hundred days over that. I'd rather take those matches where you think there's a chance somebody's going to lose that championship than having it be, oh, well, here's Roman Reigns versus fucking R Truth this week. Where you know the outcome beforehand. You know? Sure, sure. But but the problem is the less he's on TV the more likely he's never going to lose it until a WrestleMania. So even when you book a Rumble feud against, say, AJ Styles, you're like, yeah, but he's not losing a belt at the Rumble. <laughs> I think I think no matter what you expect, he's going to lose. Even if, even if he wrestled every fucking week, you would still expect he's not losing until WrestleMania. True. So I think it's a horse apiece on that. Yeah, that's fair. Women's World Championship, Rhea Ripley takes on Raquel Rodriguez. And you'll never guess what happened, but on a on a card that had six matches, the women's match, now there were two of them. Mm-hmm. That's a big thing. 
the two women's matches were the third and fourth longest matches out of six. Nice. There were two matches that were shorter than both women's matches. Which is, of course, the stark contrast between All In, where your women's match was literally the shortest match of the card. Yeah. And the All Out card, which we're going to discuss next, well, they had... Let's see. Where, that one, that's right. They had uh, Chris Statlander versus Ruby Soho. That was the only women's match, right? I believe so. That was that was all right. I won't. I won't th- right. Those two can actually work. So that that wasn't bad. So there was only that was the eleventh shortest match on a card of thirteen. Oh, so there you go. So they still weren't given. <laughs> they weren't even given close still- to the time of some of the other some of the other matches. Um, of course. Yeah, and and that sucks because Ruby and and, and Statlander put on a much better match than the women a week prior at all at all uh, in did that match at all in was fucking terrible right um so but getting back to uh Rhea and Raquel it was fine it was serviceable we got some interference from Dominic which was typical it was kind of like yep. your run of the mill Rhea title defense <laughs> Yes, it was given time to shine. Um, the issue that you're going to have with Rhea Ripley and them trying to sort of push her as the women's version of Roman Reigns mm-hmm. is that anybody that she goes against is going to lose, and that could potentially be harmful to any kind of push that they have. We've already had issues with Raquel with these the injury bug hitting her and the sort of start and stop booking that we've had with her. So now she gets a title shot and she loses. So you sort of put her behind the eight ball of, is she going to get another fucking title shot? And if she does get another title shot, is she just going to lose that one too? Like you sort of wonder like this, this was kind of supposed to be the big feud. Like uh, Ripley and Rodriguez were the former friends, you know, both you know big powerhouses doing a payback here. Like, do you want to extend this out? And if you're just going to have Rhea retain all the time, is that not going to sort of hurt Raquel Rodriguez? Anymore? It it can hurt Raquel. The the only thing I'll contrast that with is that I don't think Raquel's character is ready to be the champion. Sure. Not necessarily the performer, but the character isn't there. There's right. nothing interesting of having her as the one that dethrones Rhea. In fact, you can make a case that somebody like a Liv Morgan is far more compelling than, than Raquel. And that's not a knock. She'll get... You know, she's still young, so... Any experience she has in, in pay-per-view title matches, it's, it's only going to benefit her. Um, but yeah, sometimes they, they do that where they pick a, a, a guy or a girl who's uh, not at that level yet, and they try to put them in there and see what they get, and nine times out of ten, they job out most of those matches. Yeah. You know? Well, uh, and that... 
Uh, that tends to be so. I I do believe I am with you in thinking that um, you're going to see Raquel eventually get a, get that championship. Sure. The issue becomes she needs to be more than just look at my back. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what that is, but she has to figure yeah. it out. Or they, I mean, they have to work with her to figure it out. But whatever it is, it's not this. Because this is not a world champion gimmick. So much so that everybody gets a point. Because everybody shows my milkers. Now, I will say, during the match, Raquel's feats of strength were pretty cool. Mm. But I feel like the way WWE books these days, it's tough to get over just by showing you're powerful. Right. Everybody. I did like. <laughs> right. I love the fact that Raquel was not Raquel. Abria was wearing a China-inspired gear. Yes. That was badass. Um, yeah. I, it was. It was good. It was good to see Rhea have an actual competitive match and not just a squash match, which is what we're seeing lately with her. So that was good. Um, and yeah, you just continue to boost up the fact that. Dominic's a prick, and you want to see him get the shit kicked out of him. So. Mm-hmm. Which brings us to our main event of the evening. World Heavyweight Championship on the line as Seth Rollins takes on Shinsuke Nakamura. And this one. So everybody except for uh, Fetus, Gaza Juggalo, and Ginger got a point for choosing Fuckboy Rollins, uh, Akaboy, Akamora. Uh, I sort of, if I would have remembered to make my picks, I would have picked Nakamura for this. It felt like they were they were setting that up. Uh, we had the whole thing with Seth's back not being good, and then they worked that into the match, you know, uh, and you had Nakamura being sort of shown as a threat to him. But in the end, Rollins hits a pedigree and then, uh, you know, tries to hit a stomp, doesn't work, and then eventually is able to, you know, to get the win. And I feel like this feud is going to continue. And I I do feel like you have to pull the trigger on Shinsuke. And I'm I'm cool with it not being this match as long as in the next one Shinsuke wins that title back. Or when it wins that title for the first time. Mm-hmm. I do think that's been missing. I, I have liked Seth as a champion, but I feel like having him lose and then blaming it on his back, maybe having him take some time off to get healed up before coming back at the Rumble, you know, and then Maybe he wins the title back at Mania or wins the title back at, at the Rumble. You know, you can have a short run with Nakamura and have it be that they pass the title around a little bit just in order to get a little bit more prestige with that championship as well, you know. Sure. Um, but I can also see them turning around and just being like, ah, we're just going to job him out some more. <laughs> I, I don't think that's a good idea, and I'll, and I'll say why. Right now... Whether it's real, whether it's reality or whether it's story, um, you have the perfect out for Seth Rollins. 
with his back. And and you make Nakamura a huge deal if he just beats the shit out of his back and he focuses his offense on that the next time they meet. And maybe it's in Hell in a Cell. And, and Seth is the valiant warrior that was slain because, you know, uh, the injury is just piled up. That's a great story. Um, you tell me this story for the next two months and Seth keeps winning, we're going to have a little bit of a problem with continuity. Because then it's like, I thought you needed back surgery and your back was broken and you had two, like, you know, two um, vertebrae in your back that was broke. How are you still winning? Yep. So so be smart. Tell the story where Nakamura has, has worn him down. And, and Seth fought valiantly but couldn't, in the end, overcome because he needs the surgery. Do that story. And if, if in my opinion, you keep the belt on Shinsuke for a little bit, I know a lot of people will probably think, oh, they'll, they'll just have Freeze Cash in the same night. <sighs> you could, but I, I wouldn't do it. I, I don't think that's a good idea. Yeah. I agree. Oh, so uh, it should be noted for uh, NFL fans out there, the Detroit Lions beat the Kansas City Chiefs. What? No. What? <laughs> yes. What? <laughs> so that that whole situation uh, where I was talking to you beforehand about how people wouldn't shut up about the Lions, they're not going to stop this week. I was going to say, now it becomes worse this week. Yeah, because now they knocked off the Kansas City Chiefs. By one point, I, mean, I will bring that up. By one it was point. 21-20. Yeah, but they still did it, so good on them. Well, they should pop their champagne now, because Lord knows the rest of the season won't be like that. That's right. Finishing in last place with one point, Ginger. Womp womp. <laughs> Tied for fifth, for fifth place with four points. Petis, Guts Juggalo, Adam, Sal, Nick, Jord, and Jason. You said that was with four Top. points? With four points out of six. <laughs> Tied for third place with five points, Smithers and Jackson. And tied for the win, CM Punk's dog and Dr. Glashen. What? So congratulations to everybody who uh, made predictions in this one. Uh, I wish I could continue to tell you how you guys did it all out but you'll have to wait till next week mm-hmm. so anything else to say about uh, Pace Lack uh, Pace Match was, was fun it was a shorter pay per view as you mentioned only six matches but uh, I enjoyed it I enjoyed Miz and Cena's little interaction and I also enjoyed uh, Jay Uso, even though it doesn't necessarily make sense, I do enjoy. I did enjoy Jay Uso's return in the pop and in his new uh, singles run on Raw. Yeah, so. All right, AW All Out, emanating from Chicago, uh, already dealing with the fallout from CM Punk, already dealing with the fact. That people didn't really care that much about the card because it wasn't good. Uh, already dealing with the fact that there was a one-week build for this. 
your owner literally said, well, the matches are still good, so who gives a fuck about doing a build? But the matches could be better. Oh, they could have That was the story of this night, man. Like, some of these matches were not bad. Like, guys worked their asses off, but I'm like, wow. If only that had a fucking story, that would have been so much better. Right. So, the first match of the night, which was on Zero Hour, which is their pre-show, was the over-budget charity battle royale. This was literally, let's see who we can get on the card and make a payday mm-hmm. for them. By order of elimination, Tony Nese, Serpentico, Sean Spears, Commander, Angela Parker, Dalton Castle, Darius Martin, Chuck Taylor, Bishop Khan, Matt Menard, Jake Hager, Mark Davis, Daniel Garcia, Scorpio Sky, Action Andretti, Kyle Fletcher, Trent Beretta, Toa Leona, and the final person to be thrown over, Ryan Cage, and your winner is Hangman Adam Page. Page B. Cage? Yes. Um, so he gets $50,000 donated to the charity of his choice, uh, which feels gimmick as hell. Mm-hmm. It feels like that's not real. Because otherwise, why wouldn't you say it? They did say it on whatever. Oh, did they? Yeah, eventually, at, at yeah. later on in the show, they, they he said he picked a... Oh, and it was... Um, talk about gimmicks. The uh, Chicago... Shots for tots? <laughs> it was the Chicago uh, Children's Education Fund or something like that. Oh, gotcha. Okay. All right. Gotcha. And then the whole crowd went, Yay! Mm. He's doing stuff for our city! Woo! We don't hate him anymore! Yay. The billionaire <laughs> gave $50,000 or something. I know. Uh, <laughs> so, the second match on Zero Hour was Hiraku Shida, Sky Blue, and Willow Nightingale, three people who have nothing to do with each other, taking on three other people who have nothing to do with each other, Mercedes Martinez, Diamante, and Athena. This is literally just throwing fucking names out there, which I know AEW does a lot. They love doing these six-man, six-person tag matches. They're literally just, you guys are backstage. Like, he goes back into catering, he's like, uh, you, you, and you, you're on one team, you, you, and you, you're on the other team, go out there. To be fair, uh, Diamante and, uh, Mercedes have been working together on, on Collision and Rampage against, sure. I believe, Sky Blue and Will, Will Nightingale, so I, I, it's kind of got to build, barely. Okay. But, but, I get your point. Cheetah Blue and Nightingale win. Nobody cares. No. no and we had the six man tag champions. Oh, sorry. This was this was the third match on Zero Hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forgot this was not on the main card. The six man tag team championship match for the Trios Champions Championship, the new belts that scissor, uh, the acclaimed and Billy Gunn uh, with Dennis Rodman. We're able to defeat Jeff Jarrett, Saddam Singh, Jay Lethal, and a shit ton of other people. <laughs> uh, this match also featured uh, Aubrey Edwards continuing to be a on-screen character, even though everybody hates her. Nobody wants to see a fucking referee be an on-screen character in 2023. 
Uh, she was out there to fuck with Karen Jarrett because, of course, she was. They claimed proceed to not be able to win cleanly again because Dennis Rodman bashed Double J's guitar over him. So the acclaimed and Billy Gunn retain. So the acclaimed and Billy Gunn and Dennis Rodman. So that's four people on the face side. And then you have Jeff Jarrett, Satnam Singh, Jay Lethal, Sanjay Dutt, and Karen Jarrett. So that's five people, five different characters on the heel side. Guess how long this match was? Yeah, this match was six minutes. Six minutes! What the fuck was the this point? Was, <laughs> this match was six minutes. Oh it God. featured it featured Aubrey Edwards horsing around. Uh-huh. It featured a, a guitar shot. And it featured tons of outside interference in a six-minute time period. What the fuck? Yeah. To the main car. As this was this was the issue was the fact that you have the ROH World Tag Team Champions being two guys that are never going to show up on ROH TV. One guy who is your current AW World Champion who was not going to again work double duty on this one. Who are curtain jerking on a already weak card, and your big opponents to them for them are the Dork Order. Shocking as it may seem, MGF and Adam Cole retain. Yeah. Uh... Now, again, a tag team match between. The Dark Order, better than you, baby, was given 14 minutes, mm. while the women's match was given 12 minutes. Yeah. Just say. <clears throat> this, okay, this, this match was nothing more than a jobber match for MJF and Cole just to get their shit in, just to pop the crowd. That's all this was. And that's not a shot at Alex Reynolds and John Silver. That's a shot of the creative that has plagued the Dark Order since uh, since Brody's passing. Nobody gives a fuck about these two anymore. They can do all the antics they want in the ring, and both guys can wrestle, but... Everybody knew they weren't beating MJF and fucking and, and Adam Cole... This match was pointless. I will say this is back-to-back matches where the referee was distracted so that some nefarious stuff could go down if you were keeping track of that. Hmm. And that would be, as was with all AEW shows, the theme of the night. Yeah. So, moving on. Samojo and Shane Taylor. Whoops. <laughs> Put on a squash match that still almost got half the time 
with the women's match did. Uh, Joey Samoe was able to retain his TV title, which again shouldn't be defended on a pay per view because it's a TV title. Uh, Whatever. You should, should do that all the time, too. I know. I know. Uh, yeah. Shane Tyler, it's nice for him to, to get some eyes on him. Smojo continues to be a lot of fun. He is. There are certain guys that even though they work for AEW, you still can't help but watch them and enjoy them. Joe, Smojo is one of them. Christian is one of them. Mm. Somehow Tony Storm has become one of them. I really am into what Tony Storm's been doing lately. I think it's hilarious. Her chin up, tits out <laughs> stuff has been, been interesting. For some reason, she's been knocked back to the 1960s, I guess. I, I, it, it For some reason, it but works. <laughs> it's been funny. I have to admit, it has been entertaining. So I will give her that. Mm-hmm. Um, because she definitely hasn't been booked good lately. So it was good that she developed a character. Probably by accident, too. Just, you know, trying to play up her being, like, upset about losing the belt and, and turning it into to this gimmick is just great. Um, yeah. But before we talk about Tony Storm, because that will be later. <laughs> Samoa Joe defeated Shane Taylor. Uh, I must apologize to our fans of the rundown or any fans out there of... Shane Thorne, the guy from Retribution, he is not on this show. And, he also uh, isn't Shane Thorne anymore. What is he now? Well, he's Shane Haste. Shane Thorne knows his WWE name. Oh, I didn't. That's how many times he's been booked on on AEW programming. I forgot that they had changed his name because he's not booked on AEW programming. Shane Haste is a New Japan wrestler. Wasn't he on like Rampage like once or twice in the past six months? He may have been. I'm sh- I could have sworn he was. He was making a big deal about that. But anyway, anyway. Before this match took place, yeah, before this match took place, we did get a callback to uh, the old NXT days when MJF was a security guard and he started walking too fast. And he and stopped Samoa walking in front Joe, of Samojo, so Joe pushed yeah. him into the wall. Yeah. Whereas when. Cole and MJF were walking to the back. Samojo came out for his match and proceeded to shove MJF. Yes. That was funny. I'm not a huge fan of the number of WWE references that we get on different things. And Samojo and MJF uh, on the Wednesday show was a lot of it for like a five minute fucking talking segment. It was like for one guy who had never been there and another guy who was only there a couple of times. It was a lot. Um, I will say that I thought it was funny originally, and then when they turned it into an angle on Dynamite, I was like, oh, it's less cool now. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> uh, so Darby <clears throat> Allen, who thinks that dinosaurs are 65 billion years old, uh, proceeded to take on Luchasaurus. <laughs> and uh, for the TNT title, which... I have a feeling a good number of people picked him to win this back because that's the way that Tony books things. Mm. But Luchasaurus was able to retain, and this was, yet again, another match where the referee was distracted and Christian took advantage. Christian was great in this in this whole 
ordeal. Yeah. Um, I know he does constantly rely on cheap heat, but he's always had a very punchable face. Yeah. And he knows how to irk people, and he does a good job at it. So he, he's doing his job very, very well right now. Um, Darby is going to be dead sooner than later. And that's not a wish. Lord knows I'm not that type of person. I am saying that because based on his size and the speed of which he throws his head into fucking hard surfaces like concrete, I I don't think this guy is going to be walking pretty soon. And it's for what, dude? Up. Nobody even remembers your match. You're like in the middle of the card. You took a German in this match that you damn near landed on his dumb piece. Yep, that was a high oh. German suplex. Yeah, he uh, did a dive to the outside, fucking mm-hmm. missed. And, yeah, there's a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, look, it, it was fine. I'm actually glad they didn't put it back on Darby because Darby said that belt way too much. Um. But, yeah, it's just I don't. And Nick Wayne, I'm sorry, Nick Wayne. Dude, he might as well be Zach Allen out there. Yeah. He's that much of a of a non-believable wrestler. <laughs> I'm sure he was great on the well, Indies, but. Well, that's that's the thing is Nick Wayne is 18, right. I think. And he started wrestling when he was 16 on the Independents, so. Obviously, he's got a, a very bright future with him as long as he doesn't do too much dumb shit. But he, much like Hook, they don't look like wrestlers. They look like indie stars, mm-hmm. you know? And they look like they kids. Like the, yeah. I mean, look, look, let's be honest here. For the first two years of his career, Dominic Mysterio didn't get it. He just dressed like a wrestler. He wasn't right. like... It, despite like that he could do the moves, he didn't get it. He's starting to get it now, and you see a huge difference in his work and right. the way he carries himself and his promos. <clears throat> Nick Wayne and and people like you know like Nick Wayne or Hook they they are young and maybe they turn into something great down the line. I hope they do, but. Uh, they're very, very green, and they're in their character. Yes, they can do moves, but yeah. doing I moves mean, the, is like the Hardy, part. Yeah, the Hardy Boys looked like Nick Wayne when they started. Sure, and they eventually had to put on a bunch of muscle in order to be taken more seriously. So, but speaking of muscle, hmm. the next match is Powerhouse Hobbs taking on Miro. Meet, 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 uh, meet, meet. Yeah, this is where you had the, the fans chanting "Meet" and "Beat Forever." <laughs> yeah, like that. That was um, fun though. That you know what? Yeah. For everything that we were worried that Chicago was going to do, this was unexpected, and this was actually really good. Not to mention the fact that the one of the things that is constantly missing from AW are these sort of hoss fights. Mm, that's true. And so when we actually get them, you can see, like. Yes, this is something different. This is going to stand out on the card because it is something different. It's not all acrobatic shit like we see from all the other matches. It's the two dudes just beating the piss out of each other. And, and it was, and it was really good. Um, 
you don't typically see Miro outpowered, but you saw a lot of that in this match. And and yeah. both guys fucking brought it. It was a good match. For sure. At the end of the match, CJ Barry arrived afterwards. Um, because after the handshake, Powerhouse Hobbs attacked him from behind. And then a 300-pound solid muscle man got chased off by a 110-pound woman with a chair? No, I wouldn't say that. No, that's not exactly what happened. No, she she hit him with a chair. He completely no-sold it. She tried to hit him again, and he grabbed the chair, stopping the blow. And then Miro grabbed the chair from him, and then he and then he powdered up. So, well, then of course, because of the fact that Miro stared down his wife, didn't embrace her, and walked away, we definitely had CJ Perry show up on uh, Dynamite, right? Of course, and they did this whole story and talked about her cheating on him with Bobby Lashley, and this whole whole nine. Except for no, no. Apparently, she was only brought in for one night. So it was just to pop yeah. the crowd, I guess. Which is dumb. What would have popped the crowd is if they embraced. So if you only had her for one night, why not yeah. just tell the beginning and the end of the story at the same time? Yeah. Funny how the AEW faithful fucking hated Lana. Oh, this Wanted to see her fucking her. fired. Fire, Lana. Yeah. They sure as shit were uh, posting a lot of, holy shit, Lana's here. Oh, my. Talk yeah. about the fucking so gymnastics. Happened. My God, mm-hmm. is everybody who's a fan of AEW um, getting trained by the Bucks to do flips? Because that's what they were doing. They were yeah. flipping a lot on fucking social media this week. Uh-huh. After that one, we had Chris Statlander taking on Ruby Soho for the Hose Championship. Yes. As I mentioned, this and match was pretty good. Yep. It was good because we know that Ruby Soho can work. Mm-hmm. Know that she can. Krista Adlander has vastly improved, has, you know, changed up her, her gimmick to be um, not more alien, marketable. Not alien-related. Yeah. <laughs> not alien-related, much more serious. Um, she winds up retaining uh, in, a, in a really good back-and-forth match. I don't know if serious is the way I would describe her gimmick for this night. Well, her you know. Her gear was very... Um, Zoolander Her gear was it was Zoolander. Zoolander yep. inspired, yes. Which and, and she which, stuck to it. Uh, which actually prompted Ben Stiller to to shout her out on, well, there you go. on Twitter. So good on her. Um, but she kept doing the duck face, and I uh, it was it was kind of funny. It wasn't that funny. It was like a six out of ten. <laughs> no, but good for her. She committed to the to the Zoolander character, and it, it popped a lot of people. Um, but the match was good. Match was good. Paige was out there. Paige, okay. There was a guy in the crowd. Excuse me, Soraya. There was a guy in the crowd who had some interesting signs throughout the night, and he was front row. Um, Those are only twenty dollars tickets, so makes sense. Sure, but I I don't know if he was real. I feel like he was a plant. Two reasons why. First sign he had was Tony Khan cured cancer 
Yeah. Get it? Because Punk was the cancer. Uh-huh. Uh, th- that felt like a plant. But also, that same guy had a different sign later on that said, Soraya calls fries uh, fish and chips, which is like, uh, okay, haha. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, Soraya, and this is why I think the guy was a plant, went over to him and tore the sign in half. Yeah. So... Which, as we, which, as you remember, we were told that AEW wrestlers were no longer allowed to take things from the audience members. Yeah, we were told a bunch of so, bullshit. So, because another point, well, too, somebody took a beer and started drinking it. It wasn't Hangman. It was like Moxley or something. So, Well, if you believe he was a plant, then it's not bullshit. That's true. That That's true. They are allowed to take that from him, that beer, and that sign from him. Because they were because he worked. Yes, that's yep. that's a good point. That's a good point. And it's hey, it is a way to deceive your audience and making them think that yeah. uh, your wrestlers are wild and uncontrollable. Did you ever watch the? This is back in the nineties, I think. Did you ever watch that special that, like the expose of showing how wrestling is scripted? Secrets of wrestling. Yes. Oh my god. And the the. <laughs> The granny plant uh, in the audience. That granny is not a real granny. That is <laughs> not a real granny. That is yeah. a fake. <laughs> I watched that show and I remember thinking, like, I hope that there are gullible, dumb people watching this being like, oh my god. Look, look, Gerald, look how they lie. <laughs> Oh my god. Alright. This is the this is the company that has a champion who refuses to let Kayfabe die. But then has the entirety of the rest of their fucking roster be like, Kayfabe never heard of it. <laughs> yeah, they have the rest of their roster fucking having blood feuds and in, in, inside a steel cage. Everybody's torn to shit, everybody's stabbing each other with knives, literally. Um mm-hmm. And then they hug afterwards. Yep. The American Dragon, Brian Danielson, Ricky the Dragon, Steamboat, and Absolute Dragon, Ricky Starks, were in a strap match, which, of course, we had to get Ricky the Dragon Steamboat all over this one. But, I will say, as much as I hate the fact that Ricky Starks lost, spoiler alert, the way he did, I thought, was incredibly cinematic. With uh, choking him with the strap, him passing out, them calling for the bell. Uh, I think that this match was uh, phenomenal. I think that it continues to show how good both these guys are as wrestlers. I don't think you needed as much Ricky the Dragon Steamboat as this was in this match. <laughs> he felt out of was, place. Even on commentary, yeah. he kept jumping in at times when when they would talk, and and um, I, I get why they ran the story. Like I get what they were trying to do with the story. Like, ooh, we signed a contract to face the dragon at at all out, but oh, little did he know it was the American dragon. Like, okay, I mean, Ricky Steamboat's seventy something years old. I really didn't want him to get into a ring. 
like in real life. Oh, but he did. <laughs> I know. But he did, because he was all over this match. But We had Big Bill run in, and he had, it, this match was a little overbooked. A little bit, but, is, but the, uh, the moment when Danielson came out to the final countdown song, and the whole crowd like sing along. That was great. Yep. Um, Danielson still wearing the Blackpool Combat Club stuff. Still showing up at the end of the night to help Moxley uh, celebrate with Claudio and Wheeler. So apparently Danielson's still there, even though he's the only one who's a babyface. Yep. Um, but yeah, Danielson's one of those guys that I really enjoy when I watch him in the ring, and and he was he was that in this match, and so is Ricky Stark. So. It was. It was a really good match. Um, and Chicago got loud for Danielson, which was nice. They hadn't really for a couple matches at this point in the card. Well, I can give you one good reason why they might be a little worn out, because we still have four more matches to talk about this card. <laughs> Typical AEW. Yeah, for I mentioned Blackpool Combat Club, uh, Claudio Castaneda's and Wheeler Uterus taking on Eddie Kingston and Katsuyori Shibata. Which the Blackpool Comic Club did win, thanks to a European uppercut from Claudio on Dratston. I want to like the Blackpool Combat Club. I just... First of all, I don't like Billy Yuta. No. I think he's boring as shit. Um, second, they're so all over the place with the booking of the Blackpool Combat Club, where one pay-per-view, they'll be really important, and the next, they'll be jobbers, and then after that, and they're winning everything, and they're really good. and It's so helter-skelter in terms of if they're booked strong or not. And they are a team of, like, big-name stars, you know? You've got Moxley, you've got Danielson, you've got Claudio, and they're, they're trying to elevate Uterus by, by associating with him with these guys. But then they just fucking lose. <laughs> yeah. I, you can't have it both ways. Either they're a dominant faction... And, and they are so brutal that they win, win their feuds at the end of the day. Or they're losing to the Bucks and Omega every other week. You can't do both. Pick one. Because the, you have them have this fucking, I don't know, six-month program with the Bucks and, and, and Omega and all these other, like, elite associates, elite adjacent, I guess you could call it, like... Um, Kota Ibushi and all that, and it's like, or Eddie Kingston for that matter. I don't know. It's just, why can't you decide what you want to do with the Blackpool Combat Club? Because if they are as dominant as sometimes you portray them to be, then they shouldn't be losing as much as they do. And maybe that changes now, considering who the new international champion is. But we'll get there. We're almost there. So, you would expect a straight-up singles match with no gimmick, no championship on the line, a storyline, true, storyline's there, 
to not be the longest match on the card, correct? Mm-hmm. At a whopping half hour. This can only be one match. <laughs> Kanosuke Takashita defeats Kenny Omega. Yes. A half hour for a match that wasn't the main event, for a match that wasn't a gimmick match, for a match that didn't have a title on the line. It was given a half hour. It's Kenny. It's a Kenny singles match. That's a minimum. <laughs> he went, what, 40 minutes with Osprey, and he's got 60 minutes with Danielson? Like, I, that's not surprising. What's surprising to me is the amount of knee shots into the head that these two gave each other. It's almost sickening at one point, um, especially at the end when... Takeshka pulls it down his knee pad and just slams his kneecap into the side of fucking Kenny's head. I mean, there was plenty of suplexes over that where he dropped Kenny straight in his fucking belt oh, as well. Yeah, there was. Holy shit. Um, look, I hope, I hope, I really, really am dead serious when I say this. I hope Kenny is a fantastic actor and he's putting on a show. Because mm. if he's not, he legit looks like he's getting his neck broke with these some of these moves, with some of these bumps he's taken. You know, maybe he went to the Mayu Iwatani school of selling neck injuries. Because <laughs> that's all she ever does is get fucking dropped her head every match. So, I mean, how this guy is still walking, it's amazing. Um, yeah, he got dropped on his head a couple times in this one. And it looked... It, every time he does, it just looks worse and worse. Uh, crowd, from what I could tell, again, I felt that a lot of the audio from the crowd was muted during this match, but I did feel like there was a split where some people were booing Kenny and some people were cheering him. Was you're going to get that. Yeah. You're going you're gonna to get people that are going to take Punk's side and are going to boo the Elite. Mm. And I understand that because they're fuckwads. You're going to get people that are going to cheer, cheer the elite because they really hated Punk. Sure. Well, they get that, too. Then you're going to get those that, that large section of the crowd, which the crowd isn't that large to begin with, who don't care about the elite at all and just want to see them go away. But also didn't really care about CM Punk, and we're glad to see him gone, too. So. Yeah, yeah. that's fair. This break as Bullet Club Gold Austin Gun, Bolton Gun, Switch Gun, Jay White, and the Rock Gun, Juice Robinson, <laughs> defeated FTR and the Young Bucks with a gun. Um, so. Really, really interesting decision by by um, the agent who put this match together. At one point, uh, Austin Gun. Uh, got surprisingly knocked down, and I say surprisingly because his teammates thought he was still, you know, the one giving the offense. So they turn around and they face the crowd, and uh, Juice, Switchblade, and uh, Colton Gun, they put their guns up in the air. Right? Guns up! That's their gimmick. Yep. And Dax comes over, pretending like he's. Uh, 
you know, Austin Gunn, and he puts his hand up in the air in a gun formation, and they're like, oh, wait a minute, you're not Austin. Uh, funny, except for the fact that when this happened, the only thing I could think of is, oh, yeah, they can't do that spot with Cash. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm surprised that they did To be fair, yes, because you would have thought, if anybody's a motherfucker like Tony Khan, he would absolutely yeah. do it, but... Um, they love making jokes about everything. So. But still, it was like, that's the first thing my mind went to. It was like, oh, I understand why Cash didn't do it. <laughs> uh, this match was your typical Bucks match. It, <laughs> there are talented people in this match, and I don't know, man. It was tough to give a shit about any, but at this point, it's like three hours into the show. We're not at the main event. And the Bucks are out there doing their fucking back and forth flippy offense. You take a bump, and then you take a bump, and then we'll do a super kick, and then you'll do a super kick, and then me and Cash will do super kicks, and then everybody will do super kicks, and then everybody flips out. <laughs> After 31, 31 successful defenses. Of the formerly All Atlantic Championship, now the International Championship. Tony Khan had to do the worst thing he's ever had to do in his life, and that was book his favorite wrestler to lose. Mm -hmm. John Moxley defeated Orange Cassidy in the fucking main event for a mid card title and became the new International Champion. Now. I will say that first I thought they did a good job of telling the Rocky story with Cassidy where for the past few months he he keeps yeah. winning but he keeps getting more and more banged up but he just keeps fighting until he can't fight no more and that's pretty much what happened at the end of this match. After the worst beating I've ever seen Orange Cassidy take in his life as well as Dish Out. He gets hit with the Death Rider. And he kicks out. So Mox waits for him to get up, and Cassidy barely makes it up, and then flips Mox off, double birds. So Mox grabs him in a front face lock, lifts him up, and drills him even harder with another Death Rider. This time gets a real tight cover hooks the leg, and we have a new champion. So basically, they told the story that Mox had to murder Cassidy in order for him to win the title. And because he is Tony Khan's favorite wrestler, the show ended not with John Moxley holding up the championship belt and celebrating, but instead with Orange Cassidy getting chants from the fucking crowd that were really piped in. And being the last face you saw show i mean i agree with it for that aspect because it was it was the respect angle that they were going for with with cassidy and then how they told the story it makes sense um but it's also typical of tony because he has no balls and in the smarter move is to end the show with mock celebrating because then that's going to make people want to see Mox get his comeuppance. 
But instead, you ended with with Cassidy, and and it's like, oh, everything's honky dory because it's AEW, and we have to end on a happy note. Eh, have some balls. Have the show go off the air with Mox holding the belt up, spitting into the camera, and being like, "Fuck you, Arch Cassidy." <laughs> someone die, exactly. Um, that and the, and that's when Danielson came out. Was after the match, him, Claudio, and Wheeler came out to kind of carry Mox to the back. Uh, the match was brutal as fuck. I've never seen Cassidy take lose that much blood or take that many bumps, and I kind of hope he doesn't continue that. It's not a. It's definitely better for his longevity if he's doing comedy gigs and fucking, you know, playing up that aspect of his character than these matches. I mean, it's fine because he doesn't do them all the time. It's not like Janela or fucking Moxley, but um, at the end of this, I literally was like, Jesus Christ, Orange Cassidy, what have you put yourself through tonight? Right. So that was all out. Anything else to say about that? It wasn't bad, but the whole show had a cloud of doom looming over it because of the punk shit. Yeah, exactly. And um, I remember I said on the show last week that I like pro wrestling. I'm a pro wrestling fan. And and I'm at the point of, of, of my fandom where I enjoy good wrestling, but there were a lot of points... In this night, whether it was the Bucks and FTR against the Bullet Club, or it was um, just some uh, just other shit that just bored the shit out of me, and I was just like, "Please, just end this match." Was it time for the next match? What the fuck? <laughs> and that's the problem. You can't have fucking twenty-five, thirty-minute matches of just moves with no fucking story, and that's what the Bucks match was. Yeah. Oh, and that's what the Blackpool Combat Club match. Right? That was the other match. Claudio and uh, Yuta versus uh, Chibata Bread and fucking Eddie Fatston. Um, I was so bored during that match, dude. I don't know if it's because I don't really, like, give a shit about those four people, but... Right. I contemplated, like, even watching the rest of it after that match. Yeah. So, yeah. That was that show. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that I really have anything else to say other than NXT did a really good uh, good ending segment for the show this week where Braun Brecker winds up beating the shit out of Von Wagner. Uh, then puts his head onto the steps, grabs another thing of steps, and proceeds to fucking destroy his face. Uh, probably knocks his skull back into place. Uh, the show cut to black when that happened, which I thought was really fucking cool. It was a very cool visual to be like, oh my god, something just happened. Now, of course, we're all like, well, of course they didn't actually do anything. That doesn't stop some of your 
uh, Edge is going to AWPW Insider website from going, Ron Bricker really hurt Von Wagner on, uh, on accident. He actually busted him open. And then video came out and it was clearly that spot went perfectly planned where the steps hit steps and no brain was inside there. So, of course, it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. You don't have any credibility. I forgot about that. Well, you know, it's a but, great indicator yeah. um, of the fact that Breaker didn't actually hit him. There was no reverb. There was no, like, right. you know how, like, if you hit something really hard, it's going to bounce back a little bit? There was none of that. Mm-hmm. He stopped dead center. And that was yeah. from the fan video. So, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there was there was so much. Even the, So the one angle that was going around, you, you couldn't see... If if uh, Vaughn got his head out of the way or like that, yeah, I saw and that, that was the one that they were they were sort of trying to push around as being like, no, no, this is real, and of course it's not real. But the way that they presented it was really good. Anybody who's not who, who didn't see any of that stuff could have potentially left that going, oh shit, like something really bad happened there. Mm-hmm. Um, but so so the angle was really cool. Angle was really smart, um, and it it. I think it, it did what it was intended to do, and it got people talking. Uh, because when that show went off the air, that's all anybody talked about was the Von Braun thing. And whereas, of course, too. Mm-hmm. where of course, when All Out went out, or when when All In went off the air, all anyone was talking about was CM Punk. Right. Yeah, so I said that last week. Yep. But yeah, that, I thought that was a really cool spot. Um, Becky Lynch showed up. To mm-hmm. challenge Tippy, which I thought was great. Um, obviously, the the ratings aren't didn't show because it was an unplanned spot for her to be there, uh, or unannounced, I should say, not unplanned. But uh, once she once they actually go, hey, Becky Lynch is going to be there. AEW might be a little worried. Interestingly <laughs> that enough, that's what they said. They they booked it, man. Next week. Mm-hmm. Tiffany defends her title yep. against Becky, and they said that on the show. And I will yep. be interested to see what the ratings are now that yeah. they've announced that. Because right. um, the the first couple of times that we got Dom was going to be there, mm-hmm. it was only about a hundred thousand people difference in it. So we'll see what happens when a big star like Becky Lynch goes down there. So That'd be good, yeah. Um, Otherwise, did you have, have anything to talk about? Well, on the Von Wagner thing, my God, man. So, this to me is exactly the direct influence of one Shawn Michaels. Um, if if y'all remember, Shawn was really good at pulling on those heartstrings in his career. Um, mm-hmm. When he... When he uh, had Jericho throw him face first through the TV. You had that moment of like people like worrying for Sean's life. Yeah. Um, you know, even going back a few years when when he had that program with Owen Hart and he played up the concussion role. Uh, when Owen hit him with the insecurity, like, dude, Shawn Michaels makes you care and makes you like concerned and worried, and he did a beautiful yeah. job of that. So much so that it did, it felt real. It felt like nobody could believe what Braun, Braun had done. So good. 
Um, you had the you had the fucking announcers standing up and just like staring slack jawed in front of it. Like yeah, that was really good. And it was great yeah. how you could hear the EMTs running. Yep. That was great. It was a great touch. Fucking well mm-hmm. done. Um I am excited for the tag division in NXT. All of a sudden all these tag teams want to fight each other and it's it's actually great. Yep. Because all of them could could challenge the D'Angelo family, and I'd be fine with it, or any of them rather. Um, I thought it was smart what they did with Dominic Mysterio. He uh, he had a normal count. It was a normal count against uh, Dragon Lee, and yeah. Dragon Lee complained about it. So right after that, uh, Mustafa Ali hits a move, and fuck it, Dominic fast counts him. Yep, <laughs> that was great. That was great. Yeah. And then Ali saw the replay and he punched Dominic in the mouth for it. Like, yeah. No problems with that whatsoever. That's, yep, that's how you book two faces against a heel. Yep, it's true. Um, the women's division. Yes, Keanu James got a shot against Tiffy. It really wasn't much of a shot. Didn't take Tiffy that long to dispatch of her. And then obviously it was about Becky Lynch showing up in the Titan Tron afterwards. Yeah. Uh, Thea Hale's heel turn is interesting. It's slow. I I, I don't like the fact that Blair, Daven- Blair Davenport showed up in the segment and then just kind of left. Yeah, that's true. I, I'm not a big fan of the fact that Gigi is sort of just there now. Yeah, like, that was the other problem. Really that. Treated, like something... She's, but I but I dig the and, and JC. I think that's a that's a nice pairing. Yeah. Um, no, I I kind of feel bad for Gigi because she's the one who seems directionless more than yeah. JC. Yeah, that's true. Which I would have thought it would have been been the opposite, but mm-hmm. same. No. Yeah, uh, that's all I can think of from NXT. Um, I don't. Eddie Thorpe is a tough sell for me. I, I know he was screaming yeah. at Die Jack, and I was just like, oh, I'm not sure if I'm really buying it. Yeah, me neither. Really. I, I'm sure they'll do something with him, but to me, he's just kind of like, eh, okay. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, Dragon off one with the torpedo Moscow, so that's all good there. Yeah. Uh, I do feel like we're going to get it to a point where Trick is going to turn on, on Mello. Mm-hmm. It seems like they were hinting at that this week when Dragonoff showed up backstage. Oh, sure. And he was like, you can either uh, that, keep lying to your friend or keep lying to yourself. Like, yeah. mm. uh, As far as Raw goes, obviously the big deal, I think, was Jimmy Uso. Uh, it, all the interactions with the people who were like who we fucked over, people like Riddle, people like McIntyre, nobody was happy to see Jimmy Uso there, and they shouldn't be. I'm glad we're not right. just like forgetting that he did bad stuff just because he's a baby face now. Yeah. Um, and obviously Gable and, and Gunther put on a hell of a match. Oh, yeah. And having Gable's kids in the crowd and having them cry afterwards... Phenomenal. That shot of his daughter crying did more to get Gable over than anything he's done the past five years. Mm-hmm. And I, that's not a I shot. Did. That's just it was just perfectly directed. Right. So as of as of today, Gunther is the longest reigning IC champion. Uh, so fuck Honky Tonk. Mm-hmm. 
the the Miz taking on Invisible Cena was funny. Um, so here's the I thing. I appreciated the camera work. I thought that that was was great. Um, to so to me, I fully understand that there are people out there who shit on the invisible spots on the indies, and then had no problem with this. Um, I I appreciate that there is an opposite of that too. They don't have a problem with the invisible spots, but then because the Miz did it, they, they had a problem with that. Right. I, I, I get all that. I do think that there has always been a time and a place for shit, certain shit. And I haven't had an issue with it on the Indies because most of the sh- most of the time it is presented and it's supposed to be comical. It's not using like big name stars most of the time, things like that. So I don't I don't have a problem with it's on the Indies. I don't have a problem with it was here. I thought it was funny. I thought it was very well done. Surprisingly, like you, it it did almost feel like he was there and they just CGI'd him out because of the way that the camera moved him. That it did feel very good. You know, uh, the Miz sold everything really well. Uh, so and. Uh, Again, you know, people shut him the Miz, but he is one of the best, and he's a future Hall of Famer, and he showed it again because he was entertaining in the scene. So, I um, I watched this segment without any knowledge of it. I hadn't read anything online at that point because obviously I didn't watch Raw live. I'm still trying to catch up all the other wrestling. Uh-huh. And when I watched this segment, I in my mind thought no one's no one's going to complain about this this was absolutely hilarious yeah. Miz's timing was perfect yeah. um like you said the camera work was hilarious but Michael Cole also was hilarious he was like I, wait wait I don't get it I don't see him what yeah. I don't see him where is he <laughs> like people if you can't find this funny there's something wrong with you for real um and then I thought Miz tied it so nicely together when he hit the skull crushing finale, and then he basically he, he tied it he tied it in. He said, "You know, you beating me or whatever he said like is the equivalent to the reality of this segment." So it's fucking yep. perfect. Yeah, it's fucking absolutely masterful. Mm-hmm. And there's been a lot of Miz TVs that I have not liked, and I've just been like, yeah, that was garbage. This was the opposite of that. This was absolutely hilarious. Right. Uh, I can't really think of anything else from Raw. I know they're doing this whole Viking Raiders, you know, Mick Riddle and New Day thing, but for what purpose again we need tag champs we don't have the I mean we have them but they're singles guys let's be honest so I don't know we'll we'll see I guess who comes out on top I doubt it's going to be the Raiders it's probably going to be McRiddle let's be honest yeah it does sort of feel like it because I, I like I said I was I was very happy that they put the tag belts on on Finn because it made him Grand Slam champion, but it, it this does feel short term. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, we'll see. And if it's a if it's a case of this is how you split up the, the title belts, like 
Sure, then that's whatever. So, uh, yeah, I don't really get nothing else from Raw. Um, other than Cody's the one who, yeah, I mean, we did this at the pay view. Cody vouched for 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 Jay. So, we'll yep. see if that comes back on. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's gonna just about do it for us. Yes, sir. So, thank you for everyone who participated in our predictions thread. We'll make sure to shout out every all of you for all our predictions next week as soon as Square decides to get their head over their asses. Uh, thank you all for listening to this. And Sal, send us up. Well, I guess that means that we will smack your ass violently next time. <laughs>